0: What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 255, presented by Rageworks. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Uh, It's recommended for mature audiences, so listener and viewer discretion is advised. All right, so... If you guys are tuning into the feed on mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv, um, haven't been able to get a video feed set up with our colleagues at GFQ, but nonetheless, I am recording video on this end, which will be uploaded to our YouTube channel. Again, it's youtube.com forward slash my take radio TV or youtube.com forward slash official rage So, Either way, you'll be able to listen that way. As always, our Mixler feed is running on mtrlive.com as well. All right, so we got a lot on deck tonight. We have three MMA cards to discuss. I was actually hoping I could have got Ben in here to break it down with me, but no big deal. You know, we're going to we're gonna plow through it. We're also going to get into the week's wrestling news. Plus, Quark and Blade should be joining us. I know they're currently taping Buried to break down the upcoming Survivor Series card, which goes down this Sunday. I'm also going to share my thoughts on Raw and the week's wrestling news. But before we get into that, I actually had a a bit of a monologue for this week, a couple of things I wanted to uh, get out there for the remaining episodes for November, as well as our broadcast schedule for December as well. So uh, first up, if you've been at RageWorks.net, you'll see that we have put out the official RageWorks holiday gift guide for gamers with all our picks for all the games consoles and accessories that you're going to want to pick up this holiday season that's the first of many gift guides that we're going to be working on Uh, we're going to have one for mma and wrestling fans comics and collectibles and of course for movies and tv as well so we're going to share all our blu-ray recommendations all our television recommendations that you guys may want to pick up this holiday season of course those are going to be released over the next couple of days also Our very own Slick already got the review for GTA 5 out for the PlayStation 4. If you've been on the fence about picking up the next-gen Grand Theft Auto, either on PS4 or Xbox One, do yourselves a favor, check out Slick's review. I don't even say it because he writes for us, he's my friend and my colleague, but because it's a very thorough review and uh, much respect to Slick for turning it around in 24 hours. Not only did he plow through the game, but he gave you guys... A very very thorough review. Uh, yours truly is currently working on a review for WWE 2K15, and we're gonna hopefully get some streams up and try and show off some of the different modes and entrances as well. That review hopefully should be ready to hit the air on Saturday, probably um, if not sooner. Given that we will be, I will be at Tech 808, organized by the crew at the Fat Startup on the 21st, which is Friday. But either way, we're going to definitely uh, have that out there as well. Our very own Jay Santee recapped the fight or flight event from House of Glory. That's also our Rageworks.net. And he also has a brand new post that should be live sometime tomorrow as well. With regards to our broadcast schedule, a couple of things. Um, next week, of course, is Thanksgiving. There will not be a show Thursday night, but there will be a show on Wednesday. So There will be a show on Wednesday. I don't know if we're going to do the the full four topics or just MMA and wrestling. Uh, Right now, it's a little up in the air. We'll see what happens when we get to Wednesday. The other thing, uh, with regards to our broadcast schedule for December, um, as many of you know, Christmas Eve falls on a Wednesday. Christmas Day falls on a Thursday. Same thing with New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So, with that, the final episode of My Take Radio for 2014 will be December 17th and December 18th. Again, December 17th and 18th will be the final shows for 2014, at which time we will take a much-needed break and head into 2015. So there you have it, our broadcast schedule broken down. will be, like I said, uh, next Wednesday, all through December, will be fine with the last episodes of 2014 being December 17th. And December 18th. So definitely mark that down. Also, wanted to send a birthday shout out to one of our listeners, Dark Helmet, who celebrates a birthday today, longtime supporter of the show. And also a congrats to Isaiah, who won the Royal Flush Magazine Loot Crate Contest. Definitely congrats to him and to all of our readers and listeners who joined our colleagues at Royal Flush Magazine in helping them get a great turnout for their Loot Crate Contest. All right, so with that said, what do we got on deck for tonight? We got a couple of things. Of course, we're going to get into three MMA cards that went down this past weekend. We're not going to go through every fight, but I definitely want to pick out some highlights from each. Um, We want to talk about World Series of Fighting, which had a great card. The very, very solid UFC card and the sideshow that was the Bellator card. As always, we will take your calls, 347-324-3541 if you're interested in participating Also, we're going to go through the week's MMA news. And then, like I said, on the wrestling side, we're going to talk about Raw, Survivor Series. Uh, Quark and Blade will be joining us to give their uh, Survivor Series picks and also to update you guys on the current state of Buried and when you guys can expect the next episode. But um, that's pretty much it. Just want to let you guys know. Uh, Make sure to check, like I said, our holiday gift guide. A lot of the stuff that's in the gift guide will be on sale for Black Friday from your favorite retailers. just i gotta put it out there and i said this last week if you can avoid you know running out of your house on thanksgiving to pick up some of this stuff you could probably still pick it up thursday uh, friday or saturday especially some of the games depending on which retailers you want to hit up or if you want see if you can get the stuff online as well all right so with that let's get into this week's mma news which we definitely got a lot to to discuss let's get that ball rolling My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAwarehouse.com. Get your favorite fighter tees and training gear at MMAwarehouse.com. Definitely check out mytakeradio.com and rageworks.net for promo codes and specials throughout the month of November as well as this holiday season. All right, so let's get into the cards because there were there really was a lot of great MMA this week uh this past weekend. I want to start off with World Series of Fighting which um, really had some great fights. I wanted to talk about the catchweight non-title fight between Justin Gagey and Melvin Gillard. And the reason I want to talk about this was because originally it was going to be a lightweight title fight, but unfortunately Melvin Gillard came in a little heavy. Now, the thing that bothered me was, you know, a lot of people were talking about this fight. It was going to be the sleeper fight of the weekend. It was going to be a solid fight. Melvin Gillard coming in a little heavy I believe he was uh, maybe two or three pounds over, if I'm correct. And overall, I, the fight itself was incredibly enjoyable. I definitely felt it was competitive and it could have gone either way. I'm very bummed that Melvin Gillard came in heavy because obviously that killed his chances of getting the lightweight strap for World Series of fighting. But overall, the fight itself was incredibly solid. I enjoyed A lot of the technique on display, Justin Gagey, definitely a solid, solid competitor at 155. And Melvin Gallard always impresses crisp crisp striking at, you know, was definitely front and center from Gallard. But Gagey definitely, especially, um, you know, in the early goings was was he was I don't want to say he was winning the exchanges, but he definitely was pushing the pace again. I'm sure we'll get a rematch eventually but Melvin Gallard I will say is definitely a a, a bit of a of a bigger 155 so I mean he may want to try his chances at 170 not to say that he can't make the weight cut to 155 but you know fighting at 170 and this this is something that I've discussed with Ben and with um some of our listeners as well and it's something where weight cut as weight cutting as you get older definitely becomes more taxing on the body Melvin Gillard's been fighting a long time, and maybe his body's just not adapting to making the cut to 55. Maybe 170 might be in his future. Again, you know, I'm not his coach or his training partner, but yeah, I've always felt he was definitely a big guy at 155. Uh, the title fight between Dave Branch and Yushin Okami was probably one of the fights that that goes up there in my top 10 fights of 2014. Not only was it incredibly competitive, but it was just a, a solid, solid fight. Okami, as usual, comes in to to deliver a solid performance. But Dave Branch um, was definitely more aggressive, especially in the later goings. At which case, Dave Branch closed it out with a TKO in the fourth round on Yushin Okami. Um, the funny thing is, Dave Branch is a guy who's been on the MMA circuit quite some time. And I don't want to say he's under, he's overlooked, but I always feel that people don't give him his just due. And he definitely showed that he can hang with a veteran like Yushin Okami, who whose tenure in the UFC was definitely pretty solid up until the end before he was cut. But still, um, great night of fights from World Series of Fighting. I was very, very impressed. Now, let's switch gears and go into the UFC card, which also was quite good. They actually had some solid fights there. Um, the only thing that I really, really want to get into is, is the um, women's bantamweight bout between Jessica I and Leslie Smith. Now, if you're an, a seasoned MMA fan, you know all about the dangers of of cauliflower ear. And especially if you've seen um, Kimbo Slice versus James Thompson, where Kimbo Slice pretty much detonated the cauliflower ear on the side of James Thompson's uh, James Thompson's head, it was probably one of the most disgusting things you could ever see because it was incredibly vicious and the cauliflower ear split to the point where everybody thought that his ear got ripped off well the ladies were definitely looking to set to cement their own highlight reel and jessica i and leslie smith did just that as jessica i proceeded to explode the cauliflower ear on the side of leslie of leslie smith's head and it was it was it was it was brutal like when when she hit her Um, it was like a, just a spray of blood that flew up in the air. And if you look on Facebook and various MMA sites, you'll see the extent of the damage. The doctor definitely had to stop that. Um, giving Jessica, I the victory via TKO. If you see the pictures of of Leslie Smith's ear, it is some real, real scary shit. Uh, do yourselves a favor. If you haven't look it up either on uh, YouTube. Uh, there's also a vine clip as well. Uh, Slick if you can pull it up or you can find a photo of it I'd love for you to put that in the chat Just so people could see the extent Of um, the damage that was done Overall it was a a solid fight An exciting fight But a fight that ended in just brutal and disgusting fashion Uh, Definitely one that will not be forgotten for quite some time Now I do want to talk about the title fight Well the interim title fight Which I I was really excited for um but I was just you know I I was I was really really conflicted I like Mark Hunt I'm a big Mark Hunt fan super Samoan I like Fabricio Verdum, but um I was really pulling for hunt because he's come such a long way and he was definitely um the had a great showing during his fight but a, a beautiful flying knee from Verdum catches Mark Hunt at which point it's academic and Fabricio Verdum becomes your interim heavyweight champion with a um, TKO and a combination obviously of punches into a downed opponent and my my hopes were just crushed I mean obviously it makes a strong case for Verdum who originally was scheduled to face Cain Velasquez for the heavyweight title but now we're still going to get that fight and we are going to unify those belts I do want to definitely reference Ricardo Lamas and Dennis Bermudez's fight Um, Ricardo Lamas just Obliterated uh, Dennis Bermudez, who was coming in with a with a really solid record um, via submission with a guillotine choke in the first round. And I got to talk about Kevin Gastelum also uh, from the Ultimate Fighter, who came in there and took the fight to Jake Ellenberger, securing a beautiful rear naked choke submission at four minutes forty six seconds in the first round. Overall, like I said, it was a solid solid card. Uh, just I was bummed that the guys I wanted to win didn't win but definitely a great weekend overall. Now, I got to switch gears and go to the freak show side of things, and this is why I saved this for last, and it is Bellator Ortiz versus Bonner. Now, the thing that gets me with this card is that Bellator pretty much changed their entire presentation, borrowing some elements from the old uh, WCW Thunder uh, atmosphere where you had the three monitors set up, and you know the entrance videos and the music and you know it was like the the rock and rap type of music from from the late 90s. Again, uh, throwing it back to WCW and and that era of pro wrestling. That's pretty much what we saw on display from Bellator. It it wasn't totally terrible. Don't get me wrong. I do feel that fans would enjoy a bit of theatricality when it comes to. Presentations for mixed martial arts. I mean, a lot of people say that about the UFC. If they had a little bit more uh, of a, um, you know, like that, like the big jumbotron entrance, and you know, to coincide with the music, it would just add a little extra. I'm not saying that you're gonna do pyro and crazy shit like Raw, or SmackDown, or WCW, but at least you know, take a little more time to to step up that production to give those fighters a little bit more of a way to connect with the fans. I mean, the first opening fight. King Mo took on uh, uh Joe vedipo and it was a it was a, a competitive fight but you kind of knew that King Mo was just on another level and he was uh, pretty much had that guy staggered on his feet in the third round securing a TKO 39 seconds in the third round King mo pretty much was dominating every round of that fight and again the performances and the entrances were unique and they got people talking I know a lot of people were sending me Text messages and tweets about it. And, you know, I was also sharing my opinions on social media. But overall, definitely a unique and very different presentation. I don't think it was a totally terrible thing. But I do think that uh, some of the fights on that card needed just a little bit more polish. But, again, that's just my take on the matter. But either way, let's move through the rest of the card. Uh, Nam Fan coming over from the UFC squared off against Mike Richmond. And Mike Richmond was not getting paid by the hour, folks, as he secured uh, victory with a beautiful, beautiful strike at the beginning of the first round. They were flicking jabs at each other, at which point Richmond caught him with a nice, solid, solid punch, and Fan went down. Um, and then he finished him off academically against the cage. Uh, knockout victory, 46 seconds in the first round. And, um, damn, Fan, nice knowing you. I mean,. I'm sure he'll get another fight in Bellator, but definitely not a good way to start. Now, here's one of the fights I was very excited for. Melvin Manoff facing Joe Schilling. Uh, both guys, hitters, incredible strikers. Melvin Manoff is one of my favorite fighters. I got to thank um, Bloodstained Lane for putting me on to the, to this particular fighter. I actually looked up all his fights once I started seeing more of him, and I just became a huge fan this guy has incredible intensity. Comes in there ready to bang with anybody that, that they put in the cage or in the ring with him. He's a tremendous fighter, but I gotta be I gotta be honest when I tell you, as aggressive as he is, it's either a beautiful finish or a beautiful loss. That's that's how it goes. Melvin Manoff either goes out on a shield like a warrior, or he comes in there uh, ready to seek and destroy. And this fight was no different. Both guys, like I said, incredibly talented strikers. Uh, beautiful exchanges, too, especially from Melvin Manoff in the early going. But um, when they exchanged after being on the ground briefly in the second round, the the exchange definitely did not go in Melvin Manoff's favor as he ate a hard left shot, at which point he pretty much planked as he fell to the canvas. I was, I was horrified. And I was bummed out because, like I said, big fan of Melvin Manoff, uh, but Schilling definitely nasty one-punch knockout power. Um, Good night, Melvin. <laughs> That's all I could say. Uh, Joe Schilling via knockout, 32 seconds in round two. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue being a Melvin Manoff uh, fan because I like that he goes out there and he's just willing to go out there and trade with anybody, win, lose or draw. It was funny that Bellator showed. Melvin Manoff knocking out Mark Hunt in Japan because obviously it was number one a veiled jab at mark Hunt number two it showed the incredible power that a guy that melvin man like a guy like Melvin Manoff has because that power against a guy that was huge had to have been at least a hundred pound difference between him and Mark Hunt, and that level of power is just it's just disgusting again, I can't stress enough this is a guy that goes out there and he either Wins dramatically or loses dramatically, but it's always a pleasure to watch him fight. I put him up there with guys that like Vanderlei, Rampage, just guys that when, when they go out there, well, not Rampage now, but Rampage in the old days, and Vanderlei, of course, they go out there ready to strike, they don't give a shit, win, lose, or draw, they're going to sling leather until it's over and one guy's dead, and you got to respect that. But again, a great fight. Now, on the title side, hold on a second, what the hell? I thought that was me. I thought that was a little sound bleed on my end. It was just a little background noise. Uh, Anyway, Will Brooks, Michael Chandler on the lightweight title fight side of things was a very, very good fight that had a very strange, strange ending. Because in the fourth round, there was a bit of of a scramble from the ground, at which point, as Michael Chandler was getting up, he got rocked with a nasty, nasty left. Actually, was it a left? No, um... Uh, no, I think, um, I think it was a left. He caught him with a left on the way up and Michael Chandler actually waved him off. And I think it was because he was knocked out on his feet and the ref stopped the fight. Everybody was confused. But when you saw it, you saw that Brooks caught him flush on the side of the head as they were getting up from the scramble, at which point Chandler had no idea where he was. He was waving it off and the ref had to explain to him that he was not intelligently defending himself. Will Brooks took the title and is the new lightweight champion with a TKO victory, 3 minutes, 48 seconds in the fourth round. And I have to say that even though it was a bit of a of a sketchy ending, it was an amazing fight. I loved both guys' heart in this fight. It was great. Uh, these guys definitely went out there. They were hungry. They were ready to entertain and the fights, the rounds kind of fluctuated back and forth. Um, it, it definitely needed to end in a devastating fashion for these guys to, you know, just secure their position at the top of the 155-pound rankings. Uh, definitely props to Will Brooks for just being aggressive and really taking it to Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler is not a can in any shape, way, or form. On the contrary, he will definitely bounce back from this loss, but it was um, a weird ending for a de- uh, for a truly weird night of fights. Now, let's talk main event and the insanity with Stefan Bonner and Tito Ortiz from the entrances to the fight itself to the ending of the fight. It was just a circus, a complete circus. And um, the thing that gets me was no disrespect to Stefan Bonner. Stephen Bonner's a a solid fighter and. Tito's a, a you know, I like watching Tito fight and it's only because he's just a psychopath and it's always entertaining to me. But this fight as a main event, especially coming off of Chandler and Brooks, it was just disheartening to watch these guys fight. And the reason I say this is because, you know, there was they were moving very slow. They were moving at heavyweight speed and it just looked like these guys just didn't. have. Well, Tito definitely had more heart in this fight than Stefan Bonner Bonner looked like he was there getting a paycheck. And the reason I say that is because when they were reading the scorecards, Stefan Bonner was just like, eh, he was real nonchalant about it. And I, and you know, it, it bummed me out because I said to myself, dude, you should, you should try and have more emotion, more excitement. Cause it really looks like you're out there trying to get a paycheck. And that really just, it soured the night for me, obviously, because the fight definitely did not live up to expectations at all. But it was just it was really just a, a circus from start to finish. Now, there's rumors going around that King Mo wants to take a shot at Tito Ortiz, and I think that would be a very interesting fight. But if it's the, the same type of, of molasses slowpoke shit that we saw on, you know, this past weekend, I definitely don't want to see it. And like I said, I like Tito. I liked Stefan Bonner, but that entire that entire sequence of events from the build up to the fight to the fight itself to the post fight antics with Stefan Bonner just being a complete weirdo and Tito giving him the finger and throwing water on him it was it was just like i said as an mma fan i like theatricality i like a little bit of pro wrestling in there i like that shit but these guys that looked like they were like they were fighting underwater there was just no there was no urgency there was no necessity to 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 really drag it out the way they did and it, it bummed me out. It really just put a stamp on the fight that it was a payday fight for Bonner. Mortis says uh, Bonner saw an opportunity to hype a fight with a payday and he took it. He wasn't getting any fight or p- any fights or paychecks from the UFC. Everybody knew what it was. And Mortis is definitely right. But I do have to say this. As, as just a fan of the sport, you really, you really see through that shit and you just feel incredibly let down. I mean... You're talking about a guy that went in there with Forrest Griffin and delivered what is one of what is considered by many one of the memorable fights that put the UFC on the map. And to see these guys just go out there and just lethargically fucking sling a couple of, uh, of punches around for a payday. And like I said, Bonner more so than Tito because Tito definitely was aggressive. He had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder coming into this fight. So you could see that Bonner was just coasting and then... When the fight ended, it was just, like I said, it was just a complete circus-like atmosphere. Um, the only one other highlight I got I to cite for this card was the announcement of their cards for 2015. Bellator definitely is putting some solid fights together in 2015, including Paul Daly fighting, and I'm going to get into that in the in, later on in the segment and over the coming weeks. Uh, very excited to see Paul Daly in Bellator. But to close out that fight after that really really awesome title fight and and just see this sideshow freak show fight to close things out was just incredibly disheartening and um you know like I said I felt let down and that's not to say that Bellator is ne- is necessarily the the organization to blame here I mean you could blame Scott Coker you could blame the organization but I don't put the blame on those guys I put the blame on Tito and on Stefan Bonner and you're probably saying rich why would you do that and the reason I put the blame on these guys is because both guys are are showmen. They know they wanted they got to go out there and put on a spectacle, a solid fight, and it just looked like they just couldn't be bothered. Like I said, uh, Bonner more so than Tito. Bonner was just like, "Yeah, I'm just hanging out, whatever. Get punched in the face, bleed a little bit, whatever. My 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 checkbook is gonna feel better about it in the morning." And true, you know, true fans, fans that have been following the sport a long time really just felt they were they were disgusted with the outcome from people that hate tito to people that hate bonner to people that just don't like bellator everybody said that the card was good up until that main event and i got to agree with i got to agree with everybody because it really was a a decent card just just stifled and and obliterated by such a shitty main event i'm sorry to say the main event was shitty and if I were Will Brooks and Michael Chandler, I would have been pissed off. I'm like, really? We're going to be the co-main event when a belt is on the line to let these two dinosaurs go out there and beat the fuck out of each other haphazardly for a paycheck? It's an embarrassment, and it's an insult to, to the intelligence of fight fans. And, like, you know, that's that's where I stand on it. If Tito wants to fight King Mo, that's great. But he better be ready because King Mo's not going to come in there and dance around like Stefan Bonner for a payday. King Mo's trying to go out there. Get that money, get a title opportunity, and cement himself as the top dog in Bellator. And considering what's been said about Rampage recently, King Mo definitely has to pr- has a lot to prove. And if it takes uh, sacrificing Tito Ortiz to do it, then so be it. Anyway, those were the, uh, the three cards. I want to get into the MMA news for the week. Um, first off, from the UFC 180 card, $50,000 bonuses were handed out. Uh, Fabricio Verdum took a performance bonus. Kevin uh, Gastelum took a performance bonus and Henry Briones and Guido Canetti took a fight of the night bonus. I didn't actually see that fight. That's why I didn't really get into it. I, I just read a recap for it and I was bummed because I heard it was pretty solid on the Bellator side of things. The California state athletic commission fined Tito Ortiz, uh, $2,500 out of his $300,000 fight purse for throwing water on Stefan Bonner and giving him the finger after the fight. Uh, the reasoning was unsportsmanlike behavior. Either way, who gives a shit? Tito Ortiz made $300,000 for that colostomy bag of a fight, for that steaming pile of shit. He made three hundred dollars and he's only given up $2,500 for pouring water on Bonner and giving him the finger. Boo-hoo. 2,500 out of 300,000. I'm sure nobody at this point is, is the least bit annoyed or shocked that Tito was going to get fined for his unsportsmanlike behavior. But on the flip side, Bellator did have 2 million viewers for that sideshow of a, of a main event. It averaged uh, 1.2 million viewers, and it actually came in as the second highest rated cable MMA event of 2014. Uh, Machida versus Musashi did 1.4 million viewers and um, a lot of people say that that was also partially because it had a NASCAR lead in but either way Bonner and Ortiz definitely have something to crow about not so much their fight but at least getting 2 million people to tune in to see that car wreck of an event but overall like I said up until then I was entertained so I can't shit on it too much. All right, I want to talk about some upcoming fights that are being put together across multiple organizations. On the UFC side of things, Frank Mir is heading back to the octagon to face Antonio Bigfoot Silva. That's going down at UFC 184. Also on that card, Yoel Romero will be taking on Jacare Souza, which is going to be a tremendous, tremendous fight. And also, of course, the main event, Chris Weidman, Vitor Belfort, plus Ronda Rousey and Cat Zingano also on that card. I'm actually very excited to see Frank Mir back in the cage. Frank Mir is a very, very enjoyable fighter. He either goes out there to get vicious submissions or he goes out there to get nasty knockouts. I definitely think him and Bigfoot Silver are going to stand and trade. But I think if the fight does go to the ground, that's Frank Mir's territory. But either way, it's going to be a solid fight. Of course, you got the two title fights with Vitor and Chris Weidman, which at this point, we got to see if Vitor even makes it to that fight without getting popped or for, for some sort of a drug or being injured. I really want both title fights to go down, but we got to watch them very, very carefully. On the flip side, UFC on Fox 14 is starting to take shape as well. Uh, that's going down January 24th, and the immortal Matt Brown will be facing the very, very dangerous Tarek Safadine, which I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be an awesome fight Also, our main event, Alexander Gustafson against Anthony Rumble Johnson. Of course, there is light heavyweight title implications with that fight. Uh, Me personally, while I would love to see Jones Gustafson too, I would like to see Anthony Rumble Johnson in there. I think he's got the talent, the wrestling, and the striking to really pose a problem for Jon Jones. Aside from Daniel Cormier and, of course, Alexander Gustafson, I just feel Anthony Rumble Johnson definitely has all the tools in his playbook to possibly take the belt from John Jones. Also on that card, Dan Henderson facing Gayguard Mousasi, which um, for Dan Henderson, I feel that this is a fight that is not going to be, it's not going to be a fight where they're going to stand and trade considering the reputation of Dan Henderson's nasty H-bomb overhand right. I feel Gayguard Mousasi definitely will pick him apart with his striking, maybe try and take the fight to the ground and and secure a victory via submission but dan henderson is a guy not to be taken lightly and he can surprise anybody either with a nasty right or even just using his grinder ground and pound style Um, again this fight is going to take place on the ufc fox 14 card on january 24th now on the injury side of things, I'm a little sad to report that Holly Holm will not be debuting at UFC 181. She is actually out of the event with an injury. Also, Gian Vellante is also off that card as well. UFC 181 takes place December 6th. And um, right now, those op- th- their opponents will need, obviously, new fighters. Uh, the main event for that card, Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler for the welterweight title plus Anthony Showtime Pettis facing off against Gilbert Melendez for the lightweight title, Travis Brown, Brendan Schaub. Raquel Pennington was scheduled to face Holly Holm, but obviously she is not. And Tony Ferguson will be facing off against Abel Trujillo. That is on the main card. The prelims, of course, will be on Fox Sports 1 with a uh, prelim main event of Uriah Favor taking on Francisco Rivera, plus New York's own Eddie Gordon, winner of The Ultimate Fighter, taking on... Josh Salmon and also the return of Todd Duffy, who will be facing Anthony Hamilton. Again, the prelims will be on Fox Sports One with a start time of eight PM Eastern Standard Time. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the segment, Bellator made some fight announcements for the next couple of months going into 2015. Um, we're gonna see Daniel Strauss taking on Patricio Ferrer. That's going down at Bellator 132 and is a rematch from Their 2011 fight uh, on the Bellator 133 side, Douglas Lima will be taking on Paul Semtex daily. Again, I am hype for that fight. Also, Emmanuel Newton will be defending against Liam McGeary. Also, James Thompson facing Bobby Lashley and the return of Sokaju as he faces Linton Vassell. That's going down February 27th, 2015. Last but not least. On March 27, 2015, that's Bellator 134, and Joe Warren, bantamweight champion, will be facing Marcus Galvao. That is a rematch from their April 2011 featherweight fight, which Warren won by unanimous decision. So definitely an awesome three months on deck for Bellator in 2015. Um, Like I said, I am hyped for James Thompson, Bobby Lashley, just because it looks like Lashley is definitely making a push to challenge for the Bellator heavyweight title. Also the return of Sokaju. I like I like watching him fight. I think he's a he's a very entertaining fighter, so I want to see that. And of course, um Douglas Lima, Paul Daly, which is is gonna just end violently any way you slice it. Either Paul Daly detonating his fist on the side of Douglas Lima's head, or Douglas Lima derailing Paul Semtex Daly. Again, these fights beginning January 2015, February 2015. And March 2015. So there you have it. And best of all, they will all be on Spike TV for the beautiful price of free. There you have it. Now, of course, this Saturday we have the... Um, and and this card, I, I didn't know how I wanted to discuss this card because all the fights look solid. But I think a lot of people are going to have something to say just because they don't know every fighter on the card. But either way, um, UFC Fight Night 57 is this weekend on Fox Sports 1. Frankie Edgar, Cub Swanson is your main event. Edson Barboza and Bobby Green is your co-main. Definitely two very, very solid fights. The prelims will also be on Fox Sports 1, and those prelims will begin at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Like I said, um, UFC Fight Night 57 has some solid fights, but a lot of people may feel underwhelmed because they don't know every fighter, but... There are definitely some hitters on that card, Matt Wyman, uh, Joe Benavidez, Jared Roscholt is a solid fighter, Brad Pickett, Barbosa, and Green definitely are going to be, uh, there's going to be fireworks in that fight, and of course, Frankie Edgar, Cub Swanson will definitely be a fight to watch as well. Now, this earlier this week, the UFC dropped their uh, Time Is Now press conference, which um, Tommy Tollhold had a lot of fun with, and... I actually watched it. I was going to put it on the site, but as as the event got closer, I realized that they weren't really announcing anything groundbreaking. On the contrary, they were just um, reminding us of the fights that we were looking forward to seeing. Of course, UFC 182, John Jones, Daniel Cormier, Colmaine, Donald Cerrone, and Miles Jury. That's going down January 3rd. UFC Fight Night 59 at the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. January 18th, Conor McGregor facing off against Dennis Seaver. Of course, Seaver and McGregor were at the event. Of course, the crowd was super into Conor McGregor, who I think is a a very entertaining and enjoyable fighter, and this will definitely be a test for him. The co-main on that card is Ben Henderson facing off against the always dangerous Eddie Alvarez. Meanwhile, January 24th, UFC on Fox 14. Alexander Gustafson, Anthony Johnson, the co-main, of course, Dan Henderson, and Gegard Mousasi. UFC 183 is the fight that is on everyone's radar. Anderson Silva, Nick Diaz, it's, it's going to be an amazing night of fights. Hopefully both guys stay healthy. That's going down January 31st. Meanwhile, on Valentine's Day, Matt Brown and Tarek Safadine will square off at UFC Fight Night 60. Now, UFC Fight Night 61, no main event has been announced yet. Of course, UFC 184, Weidman, Belfort, Rousey, Zingano, that is February 28th. And, of course, they announced the remaining cards all the way through, but uh, no main events or co-mains have been announced as of yet. Of course, the big one in 2015 will be um, the march towards UFC 200, which I'm sure when the UFC gets up to that number, They're going to try and deliver the most amazing card possible, especially considering how amazing UFC 100 was, which leads me to the next story, which is the rumor of Brock Lesnar coming back to the UFC. Dana White did address that shortly after the It's Time press conference, and Dana White said that, you know, he wouldn't mind seeing Brock Lesnar back. He said if Lesnar's healthy and he wants to fight and, you know, we'll see what happens um, of course, Brock Lesnar is signed with the WWE up until WrestleMania 31. After that, all bets are off. Of course, Brock Lesnar did retire after losing the heavyweight title to Cain Velasquez and then losing to Alistair Overeem shortly after. So those two fights definitely were uh, pivotal in pushing Brock Lesnar towards retirement from the UFC. Will he make his return in 2015? I definitely am intrigued, and I... I, I'm, I'll am i be honest when I say that I wouldn't mind seeing that happen, and I'll tell you why. As Brock Lesnar carries around the WWE Championship right now and does absolutely nothing with it but sit home or possibly wear it to hunt deer in the forest, I've realized that Brock Lesnar, it, he never fully commits to anything. And I've talked about this casually, but I'll be honest. Brock Lesnar doesn't commit fully to to anything, even if, when he's dominant. He only commits to it when he feels he is a dominant force. As soon as he realizes that he is no longer the big dog in the yard, Brock Lesnar takes his ball and goes home. And this doesn't even have anything to do with the fact that I'm not 100% a fan of his, given given my opinions, but I will say Brock Lesnar is notorious for taking his ball and going home. When he didn't want to do the WWE schedule in his early run, he left and, oh, I want to play in the NFL. He tried out, didn't make it to the starting lineup, left there, jumped into MMA, took over MMA up until the issues with diverticulitis, which of course um, are heavily documented in various websites and of course in Brock Lesnar's history. But in addition to that, just even after that, when people spoke of Brock Lesnar's training camps and how he approached fighting, he definitely did not approach it the way most fighters do. On the contrary, there's there's numerous news stories that you can find about people saying that Brock Lesnar didn't like to get hit in the face, and sure, any of us can make a case that none of us like to get hit in the face, but again, it's all about how you adjust I mean, you know, Mike Tyson said it best, you know, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the face, and it's 100% true, but in Brock Lesnar's case, it's he never went out of his way to overcome that, and I think that was a big factor psychologically in him not being at the top of his game in the sport of mixed martial arts. Of course, diverticulitis is, is, is definitely the big factor there as well, but I'll be honest, Brock Lesnar does not commit 100% to anything. Even his current run in the WWE is not 100% commitment because he's working a set number of dates, he hasn't defended the belt, he's not showing up on television as he should and obviously this is partly because of his contract and the dates that he structured but as the champion of the organization he definitely should have a bigger role in promoting the company much less the events. Now, if he makes his, his return to MMA and he does come back to the UFC and he dedicates himself, I do feel Brock Lesnar can go down as one of the all-time greats. But again, he needs to go to a legitimate camp. He does not need a camp full of yes-men. He needs to go to, you know, Jackson Winklejohn or any of the Black Zillions. Whatever the case may be, he needs to go to a legitimate training camp where they don't hold his hand and he doesn't think that he's the only special guy there. That's one of the reasons why he was not successful. Too many fucking yes men. And I say the same thing about BJ Penn. I like BJ Penn. I'm a big fan of his. But in the later part of his career, too many motherfuckers holding his hand and not enough people sitting him down and telling him what time it was. Brock Lesnar's the same way. I think the only guy that could sit down with him and tell him how real shit is, is Paul Heyman. And considering that Paul Heyman's in the WWE right now, I sincerely doubt that Paul Heyman's going to leave WWE to go with him to the UFC and do all his talking for him. I have my doubts, but I'll be honest when I say this, If if a healthy, motivated, and dedicated Brock Lesnar jumped into a legitimate training camp, he would be a fucking problem, period. He would be. His wrestling pedigree, his amateur wrestling background is tremendous. The strength that he has is great. But again, needs to be 100% committed. If he goes in there half-assed, he's going to get destroyed. Way too many way, way too many heavyweights that are... There are way too many dangerous heavyweights going... You know, running, running roughshod through the UFC right now. That's not even counting guys that Brock Lesnar did not face you know we're talking about hitters like you know Junior Dos Santos uh Stipe Miocic guys that are that are that are talented guys that are uh, you know a far departure from the guys that Brock Lesnar fought again it is a murderer's row in that heavyweight division but if Brock Lesnar thinks that he's going to come in there and he's going to plow through some guy and not get tagged he is an idiot not to mention, Frank Mir is still there, and that's a huge payday. Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir would be a huge payday. But, again, if he's not motivated, not dedicated, and not dialed in, he is going to fucking fail. Simple as that. So, I did want to close out with, um, and, and this is something that I'm not shocked about in the least. Um, Rampage put out an interesting tweet, and he said, Just a thought. I've learned a big lesson in life and business. Sometimes you should just stay with the devil you know at UFC. Now, a lot of people are saying that after the departure of Bjorn Rebney, the novelty that was Quentin Rampage Jackson lost its luster. And as such, Quentin Rampage Jackson is extending an olive branch to the UFC. And it, it, it really pains me to say this, but I'm a huge Rampage fan. I got his shirts. I got his his round five collectible. I've watched all his fights. I own most of his fights. And it just the rampage that I've seen fighting is not the rampage I remember. And this is a rampage that wants to go out there and wants to box. And that's not that's not something I give a shit about. I want the rampage that would drop people on his head, just be a complete lunatic out there. This rampage. East, there's still shades of the old rampage in there but this rampage just complains way too fucking much it's like the ufc doesn't treat me right then you go to bellator oh i love bellator bellator is awesome blah 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 and then bjorn rebney leaves nobody's kissing your ass and then oh i want to stick with the devil that i do know and it's it's absurd i mean dana white has said that he would welcome rampage back but Let's be honest at this point. It's like, does anybody really give a shit? Is he a draw? Because that's the whole thing. I mean, yes, the UFC has a vacuum of big stars, but is Rampage enough of a draw to get people interested? Don't get me wrong. I like Rampage, and I'll definitely support him wherever he goes, but I get frustrated with the with the fucking flip-flopping that he does. It's like, dude, go out there. Your bread and butter is your wrestling. Use that shit dump a motherfucker on his head. You want to go out there and stand and trade? That's great. But your background is wrestling. Cut the bullshit. And that's me speaking not as a as a pundit or a, or a you know, a personality. It's me speaking as a fan. I want to see Rampage succeed. I think he still got gas in the tank to to make a good drive at 205 and he probably could do it in Bellator if he applied himself and he just got his shit together. Too many things are going on, too many distractions, reality shows and all this shit. Dude, go out there, drop people on their fucking head or or knock people out and and get back to get back to, you know, the gold standard that you were. Nobody wants to hear you fucking complaining. As much as people complain about Tito, it's like Rampage is becoming the same thing. And I don't want that. I don't want to say, "Yo, Rampage is like Tito," cuz that's the worst thing you could say, but It definitely is what's happening. In any event, uh, that's actually going to wrap up the MMA news for this week. I will say this, though. um, You know, the card on deck for this weekend looks very solid. If you need any reasoning to watch it, definitely Cub Swanson. Frankie Edgar is worth that alone. Again, that card, Fox Sports 1, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, UFC Fight Night Fifty-seven. The prelims will be on Fox Sports One as well, as well at eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And there's also going to be prelims on the UFC Fight Pass if you have that as well. All right, let's switch some gears and jump into this week's wrestling, shall we? We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan. We coming for you, nigga. As always, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by wweshop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. For those of you that want to participate in this week's wrestling segment, once again, our call-in number 347-324-3541. Again, our call-in number 347-324-3541. I know our very own Quark and Blade will be joining us to share their thoughts on the week's wrestling news well before we get into it though i do want to talk about uh one thing that really picked up some steam and considering that 2014 is almost over um i definitely want to address this and that is the fate of tna now as many of you know our very own jay santi would do the live blogs for tna impact and i would share my thoughts on the broadcast as well well couple of reasons why we haven't done that number one uh, my work schedule has not allowed me the opportunity to set up the live blogs but number two is that there is way there are way too many conflicts wednesday nights with my dvr to actually tape impact i actually end up watching it after um, you know either over the weekend or um, you know just definitely not live so it's an incredible disservice to try and Force a live blog or or put jay out there to work on impact if neither one of us or are invested as much as we should be on the product then um you know it's 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 crazy that impact started off so well and it's picked up so much steam but between all the issues with tv deals and wrestlers contracts not being renewed it's just incredibly incredibly difficult to really invest energy in into TNA Impact the way that I used to. And I know they're moving, and that's great, but, you know, it's just, I think it's just too little too late. But in any case, I know that Slick told me that Quark is on deck, so let me bring him on and we can get that ball rolling at least on the raw side of things. Captain Quark, are you alive? I do not hear the captain. I know he's queued up, but I don't hear him. So maybe he hung up? Possibly. Slick, are you there? Can
1: you, hear me, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. I figured, um, I, I know you queued him up. I just wanted to make sure because I didn't hear him. I can hear you. So, so clearly nothing is broken.
1: <laughs> just came in.
0: All right. I'll let you, uh, screen that one. Let me try it again. Quark. Nope. Nothing. Hello? There you go. What's no, going no, on, no, dude? i not Quark. Oh, shit. What's up, John Blade? What's going on? That's weird. It has you. It has you listed as Quark here.
1: <laughs> that's uh, that's awkward. I feel insulted.
0: That's all right, dude. I know
1: Quark definitely said he was coming. We just uh, we just wrapped up the um, the buried show. Wait, well, definitely said he was coming in.
0: All right. So, um, you guys are starting your second season. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Just a uh, just a brief teaser for the listeners. What do you guys got on deck for this latest episode?
1: Uh, we t- well, we talked the usual. Uh, buried. Um buried booking we talk we we give our predictions for survivor series and we just go over uh, random wrestling topics that come up to mind it's it's the usual madness
0: there you go um, and
1: it, I know was the, it was a lot there was a lot of survivor series talk and um, yeah i took up the most of it <laughs> i don't want to release too much i want to give people i want to give people something to listen to
0: there you go definitely uh, check out the buried boys of course their episodes can be found on iTunes stitcher or tune in radio and that will be uploaded later on this evening. So you'll be able to listen to that tomorrow as well. And I see that Captain Quark is in there. Let me bring him in. Captain Hello? There you go. Welcome to the party, pal.
1: Yay. What's good?
0: I don't know. You tell me. I wanna I wanna open this up with with something that just was incredibly disheartening. And I'm actually gonna Pose it to you since you came in, since you came in now, uh, second to the party, and that is how terrible was that was that Raw to build up Survivor Series without going into the matches themselves, which we'll discuss, but just overall, how sad was that Raw to build up a pay per view? Which I understand the shit is free, but fuck, at least put some work into it.
1: The second longest running pay per view. I'm, I'm assuming that the entire pay per view is going to be a. Uh... A three-hour team Cena versus team Authority match because they have hyped up shit.
0: Well, here's the thing that bothered me: if you guys, if you guys are longtime wrestling fans like myself, Quark, Blade, uh, Slick, and some of the of our listeners in the chat, you'll know that the Raw before a pay per view is de- is the one that builds up the most entertainment value, leading into you spending your money. And I understand. You're giving Survivor Series away for free and the network and blah blah blah. But guess what? Not everybody's signing up for the network yet and you're still selling pay per views. So why would you not try to deliver a solid episode of Raw instead of the fucking circle jerk that we got? Because it was fucking terrible. An old fuck. Well, dude, it's not I don't even blame Vince in this situation. Here here's what I blame. I think I think the the, the, the elephant in the room is is the fact that WWE is like, oh, yeah, well, you know, people are going to watch it on the network anyway, and it's guaranteed. I understand that. It's free. I understand that it's guaranteed people are going to tune in. But why do you want people that are going to tune in to shit on your card? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, we're going to put this out, and everybody's going to tune in all 798,000 subscribers that we got. What good is that when 787 of them think that the card sucks? Am I wrong? John's a fucking
1: mute, apparently. I was gonna let him speak, but I mean, I guess this is the fucking Quark and Kuma show. I, uh, the question was directed to Quark. You know, <laughs> did, I, I didn't hear fucking Quark. He already asked me. Either this way, thing. this isn't the barrier. show. This is this is my take, radio. John, Call the fuck now. This isn't the, you know, this isn't the barrier. You don't got to fail me.
0: All right, all right, all right, ladies, ladies, calm yourselves down. Me. But in all in all seriousness, I'll be honest let's... with you. I
1: think I think that I find it just kind of. It's strange because this is the show that after Survivor Series, those free subscriptions they should be turning into dollar signs. Right, so all the people who are subscribing are going to see. I mean, I I think it's going to be besides size the main event, and even possibly the main event, a lackluster pay per view. So they're going to see it and realize, oh, yep, yeah, this is why I'm not subscribed. Click over to fucking TNA on Destination America.
0: Well, here's here's one thing, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna toss it. I'm gonna toss this to both of you, but um. I'll give it, I'll give this one to John Blade. You know, you guys are, you guys are in college. Can you guys give me just a a snapshot of what wrestling culture is in a college environment? Because both of you guys dorm, dorm at your schools or, you know, are, are involved uh, in on a pretty, on a pretty substantial level with your, your fellow classmates. So, you know, John, how's, how's wrestling accepted or viewed in, in the college environment nowadays?
1: It's a very niche thing. Like, only, like, from my personal experience, I've met, I've met very few people who are actually hardcore wrestling fans. There are people who watched it over the course of time, but as far as, like, actual wrestling fans, like, people who actually pay money for the network is a very small group on a college campus from what I've experienced.
0: Okay. Quark, what about on your side of the spectrum? How's things, how's things on your side?
1: People who have, uh, like, friends of mine who have never really watched wrestling before, I've got to, like, convince him that it's not complete dog shit. <laughs> but uh, people who don't watch it, there's, there's this thing called Yik Yak, in case you're, you're not aware of it. Okay. It's like a, uh, an anonymous, ver- anonymous, anonymous version of Twitter. And it basically lets you post up like, anything you want, and people can either upvote it or downvote it. Uh, I use someone's Yik Yak, because I don't fuck with Yik Yak, think it's kind of weird, to post the question, does anyone watch WWL Campus? It was downvoted so far into oblivion that the Yik Yak was, in fact, deleted. <laughs> That is how little people give a fuck about WWE here at like out. Well, the thing with that is when you tr- when you try to get people interested and when you try to show them, it's like, yeah, this is actually really interesting. It's really hard to when you're putting on like shitty shows. And, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. You, you br- you, no,
0: go, go ahead. I'll let you finish.
1: On. It's it's like, it's like you need like a like a big ticket superstar to or a big t- ticket match to get people who aren't. Regular wrestling fans actually pay attention and enjoy the product, and that's just not something we're getting.
0: Well, the the, the one thing I've seen, and it's become something that's 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 commonplace. And even Mortis mentions it in the chat. He goes, "The people I meet watched it during the Attitude Era, and then stopped watching it a few years ago." And that seems to be the trend that I am noticing. And the reason I ask is because we're all in different demographics. Whether it's eighteen to thirty-four. Uh, 34 and up, whatever the case may be. And everybody I've, I, I've spoke to, whether they're in 18 to 34, 34 and up, or even under 18, have said the same thing. They're like, hey, it was really good in the 90s, and then the PG era kind of messed things up. But even though the PG era is definitely a factor in its lack of success, you can't blame it completely because the wrestling should redeem that. Yeah,
1: because you know? with the Attitude Era, with the, the, like, with the Attitude Era, Attitude Era wasn't that good from, like, a wrestling standpoint. Any, most actual wrestlers will tell you that. It's just, like, it was...
0: Lightning in a text bottle. ...text
1: on TV for the most part. Yeah. Well, it, it was it's lightning just, in a bottle. Just, yeah. If I, can, if I can interject, I'd like to say that uh, people who bitch about the PG era need to go back to around, like, 2009, 2010. Yep. When I started watching. Wrestling has definitely improved tenfold, I'd say. And I'm, I'm going to be in the fucking minority. I prefer wrestling now to the Attitude Era. I, can, I mean, you can put me in front of a, a fucking firing squad, and I'll still say it. Okay. Because well, to me, no, I'll explain why. Yep, I just go think ahead. that the Attitude Era was, was cool, and I, I think some of the things they do were innovative. But I found that, not found, but I believe that back then, it was a lot easier to get away with things. So nowadays, sure, they might be PG, But they have a lot more things to consider on how do you make the product smarter. So, sure, people might say, oh, this is bullshit, you know, grumpy the cat, Larry the Cable guy. But for everything like that, they're still doing things right. They have to be smarter in the way they book things. They can't just throw a girl out. They can't throw a fucking sable out and, and have her be half naked. They can't have New Age outlaws trying to be Bill Clinton. No, they need to be smarter with what they're doing. And to me, I respect that more than the sex of the sex cells
0: attitude of the era. Well, you, you pose, you pose a very, you pose a very, very solid argument. And, and I actually, I actually gotta, gotta give kudos to you for, for putting it in that perspective. And it's true. I mean, there was a crutch in, in, in the, in the nineties and into the two thousands where it was easier to curse, throw naked chicks on TV and, you know, it would work. And between that, there were so there were also a ton of memorable moments. Obviously, the formation of the NWO, Degeneration X, Austin Three Sixteen, the ascension of the Rock, the ascension of mankind. But for every one of those moments, we had sexual chocolate, Triple H having sex with a corpse, etc., etc., etc. Katie Vick, Katie Vick. So you know, when you look at that stuff, you realize you're like, oh you know there was a lot of awesome shit in the attitude era but there was a lot of garbage in there too run. what was that may young's hand exactly but that's what i mean but when you look at may young's hand and you look at that stuff we look at it and we laugh but the but the funny thing is that that was what was entertainment back then <laughs> that's the crazy part it's like you watch it and you're like wow that's 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 so stupid and you realize that somebody including most of us were tuned in at nine 30 or 10 o'clock to watch may young squirt out a hand. Like we were tuned in to watch that shit locked and loaded. No DVR. No, you know, we were, we were taping shit to cassettes. No DVR for that shit. It was us genuinely flipping over from nitro to see may young pop out a hand or I flipped to anything if i was watching nitro but that's just me but but no but i'm just saying that that back then that was the entertainment and there was no out and i say this in the sense that the dvr nowadays is our trapdoor, because if something looks like complete shit we just hit fast forward and move along during the attitude era we had no out it was like fuck we gotta watch that (laughs) damn like we were stuck now there's an out and we gotta to...
1: force ourselves to enjoy things.
0: Exactly. And to go with what with what Quark was saying, you were you were tasked to be smarter now versus then. When you watch wrestling back then, you watched and it was mindless entertainment. Now you gotta you gotta put some thought into it and you gotta kind of take out moments that you like. I mean I know a couple of guys that they'll be like, dude, how do you still watch that shit? And they and they say, I know you watch it for work, but how do you still enjoy it? And the reason I say this is because I find enjoyment not only in the horse shit, but the good shit. And you guys can vouch for this as well with, with Buried, both in column and in show form, that even a terrible show has something to talk about.
1: I gotta say one thing. The reason that we had to cancel Buried Columns is because wrestling has been so good over the past year or so. That's why we just start doing shows. Because there simply isn't enough, like, stuff to write about. Because it's kind of good. I mean,
0: sure, we could go on and on about fucking Grumpy the Cat, but I mean, you can only do that for so long, right? And that's and that's what I saw. You know, for 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 all the shit about Grumpy Cat and how terrible that was, and I agree, it was it was god awful. I will say that there were redeeming moments, like Damian Mizdow. Damian Mizdow continues to steal the show every fucking week, every week, and it's just like. This guy, they said, hey, you're going to be the Miz's stunt double. And if you would have told that to any other guy that wasn't invested into trying to succeed, they'd probably botch it and it would be shit. But that's just a testament to Damian Sandow, A, being a team player, and B, just taking a gimmick that you know is garbage. It, it, essentially, Damian Sandow made a chicken salad out of chicken shit. <laughs> Simple First as that. First
1: Luke Harper is a team player, and you know that. So, so watch your verbiage. All right. I think it's kind of hard to be to for there to be like too many ca- just like casual wrestling fans now with the way things are because most things that we enjoy are like long, interesting feuds and storylines or like really well done matches it's like you, like except for like maybe Ryback or John Cena for casual fans is there's there's no you're not gonna tune in one day and be like man this is awesome want to watch it every week it's it's I think it's Difficult for a person to just to society Yeah, I'm just gonna watch wrestling because this one show was really good. Yeah, the we, way things are, everything is long, so drawn out, and that's what that's what the best things are. There's a lot. There's a long stories.
0: Well, you know what's funny? Mortis in the I chat think- mentioned a match that I, that I'm glad he brought up: Tyson Kidd, Cesaro, and Dolph Ziggler. If I were a first time wrestling fan, and I tuned into SmackDown and I saw that match, I'd be sold. And again. These are three guys that aren't quote unquote main eventers, top of the food chain guys. These are hardworking mid card guys that are trying to make it work. And I'm glad he brought it up because it's those guys that sell you on the product. Yeah, the John Cena's, the Rybacks, they keep you, but it's the wrestling that gets you. It should, because that's why you, that's what it's called wrestling. It's not called fucking male spandex theater. I mean, it is, but it's not. <laughs> Am I wrong?
1: And, and with sexes, you got guys like no. You, but you got those guys doing just doing shit. It's like Cesaro. Cesaro's biggest moment he's had recently, besides that triple threat match, was him walking out. <laughs> it's like besides that, what memorable thing is this is all done. Say, like, oh man, I'm walk out. I'm on TNC, and yeah, no, I'm not. And it was awesome. He shaved his head but, bald. He shaved his head bald. That's memorable to me. Damn it. It's, well, it's, it's he gimmick the is his most
0: memorable thing.
1: Well, before yeah, he before we Tyson Kid and the spotlight on it. The spotlight's on his bald head, and he just, he just angles it right,
0: and he's blinded for a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I, before we break down Raw, I do, I do have to say this. Um, Cesaro is probably one of the few guys that has come up that everybody feels deserves to be more prominently featured. I think it's pretty much unanimous. Everybody asks, they go, yo, why isn't this guy on TV more? And it's true. He's one of the few guys that we can unanimously agree. It's like, yo, why isn't he getting more of a push? Same thing with Damian Sandow, you know, like, yo, why isn't this guy just getting getting let it people letting him rock and roll? I I
1: have to save my thoughts for the Barry show. There you, you go.
0: Fair I'm, enough. I'll be
1: honest with you. Go ahead. Oh, they're going to keep going. Um, no, I'm done. It, it, I got it, nothing, I, John. <laughs> <laughs> I said I said my, my piece. Yeah, you, you pretty much the hit the nail on the head. It's like everyone knows Cesaro's is the guy. He's got he's got the hook, he's got the moves, his matches are good. Uh, his mic is his mic skills are passable, but he he deserves a lot more than what he's getting. Being a lackey for the authority is kind of I think beneath him, but the way things go, like you talked about Mizdow, Mizdow had to tr- uh, go through a lot of shit before he can get where he is now. Yep. And even then he's still as over as he is with the fans, he's still the Miz's
0: stunt double. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know you know what What kills me? That opening segment of Raw, I've realized that the opening segment of Raw validated why we need to get rid of the authority for the foreseeable future because I'm fucking tired Fuck of
1: it. Every week. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Why is that? The authority is actually great. I'll, I'll
0: tell you why. Oh, you're yeah, so, full I'm of not, shit not and not you know people. it.
1: Oh, no, I'm, I am full yeah, of I fucking... I I've, I've like work, work is passionate about this. All right, let's yeah, hear it. I'll be honest with you. I I already said this on... I'm going to give you a little snippet, all right, for fucking episode two, cousin, okay? So the authority, right? You got Triple H. Everyone's like, yo, he's a fucking heel." Triple H truly is. He is the definition of people power. Fuck Johnny H. You'll never hear me say it again. Oh, i said say this one time. because my boy Trips. He is people power. People come out, they want to talk to on Triple H. You know what he did? He did, it. he did exactly what he wanted. Raw has been pretty damn good for the past fucking year since the authority joined. He gave us good storylines. And you know what? Unlike John Cena, he cares about his fucking team. If <laughs> team comes out, what does he do? He makes sure they win. He gives fucking title opportunities. He gives Shamus and Big Show title opportunities. The Stooges, they're just doing their fucking job. Meanwhile, John Cena is sitting back and fucking head by a Bella twin, and he can't even come out to stop Dolzinger from that fucking job. Okay? <laughs> I, you know what? And the authority, me, the authority, I'll be honest with you, the authority, I, I, sure, you know what, get him out of power, but what are you going to do? It's a very va- valid question to ask All What the fuck are you going to do once the authority leaves? I, I've just been so used to the authority being a thorn in the side, but I, I quite frankly think I don't want John Cena to destroy the authority. That was someone else's op- opportunity, okay? That was Daniel Bryan's opportunity last True. year, and, and granted, they they missed the ball with that. After WrestleMania, after before my fit fucking dead. Yep. Why didn't mean this after WrestleMania after getting the fucking shit beat out of him by Daniel Bryan and the Shield is beyond me. Yeah, you're gonna give John Cena once again another victory. Are you fucking kidding me? Because you know John Cena needs to get pushed by defeating by defeating the authority. Give it to someone else. Give it to Roman Reigns when he comes back, of course. You know, give what? it someone
0: like Ryback. Why does John Cena get the credit? Fuck that. You know, behind behind all that uh, b- uh, behind all of Quark's uh bluster and brimstone and f bombs, he brings up a very 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 interesting point. <laughs> and and you know, I'll be I'll be honest and I'll say this: the reason why the authority to me is just it, it, it's just it's just sickening is because when you tune into Raw at eight o'clock every fucking week. And Triple H's big nose mug is out there every week to get the ball rolling. It just wears thin, and it, and the reason I say this is because when you look at the ratings, as soon as the authorities on screen, people change the channel. These are these are the facts. In, in the words of Tyson Kidd, facts. You know, so looking at that, the authorities <laughs> had their they've had their run, and what I'm saying is, why can't you? The authority loses. Vince comes in and he goes, you know. I need a non-McMahon to run Raw, and why don't they just First let death. what? No, why don't they just let Paul Heyman run Raw?
1: Because that would be too good.
0: And Brock Lesnar would be his insurance policy. Every time somebody picks on the GM, Brock Lesnar just comes out and kills him dead the next week. Instant feuds. No. Here's here's the thing: the booking
1: you just gave.
0: It Makes the sense.
1: Booking, I've heard today. As a matter of fact, I'm crying. <laughs> you would also have to pay Brock Lesnar to show up. No, 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 no not, not even you. that.
0: Not what even, even that. Let me quark before you, you. You give your your point. Here's here's what I was going to say. You, you go Monday night. Vince comes out. He goes, "Well, you guys lost, and it's like you're out of here." Triple H back to WWE headquarters. No more active matchmaking capabilities on Raw. Stephanie, you too. We need an impartial person. That it's not a McMahon to run Raw. Heyman comes out. Mr. McMahon, thank you for the opportunity. blah de blah fucking blah Heyman runs Raw. Then Reigns comes back. Paul Heyman starts jobbing him out. Blah-blah-blah. Brock Lesnar's still champion. Roman Reigns wins the Rumble. And he says, I'm challenging Lesnar for the belt. So at that point, Heyman can in turn make Reigns' life a living hell, which in turn will make Reigns more likable because that motherfucker got boring as shit <laughs> before he got injured. Damn. And on top of that, it would allow Brock Lesnar to, to you'd, uh, you'd allow an opponent to be built up over time. Because Paul Heyman would be running the show, he would make the rules, and it's like, hey Roman, you're facing John Cena at the pay-per-view. Oh, you guys are friends? I don't give a shit. That's what you're doing. And you can kind of start teasing that dissension. Start creating that new star. The problem is that WWE has become so dependent on the authority setting the standard and John Cena knocking the ball out of the park that they refuse to invest energy into anybody else. It's like they wrote Sheamus off on Monday, and it's like it was like a supersized sure. ginger. It's like you take one ginger, and for a $1.99, you get an even bigger ginger to take his place. Good. Sure. Come on, dude. Motherfucker wants to be Venom. Yeah, but exactly. Like that's. I, I- that's what we got. I'll
1: be honest. That's really good booking, but you missed one important thing. Where does John Cena's
0: number one, one contender? Is? John Cena is the number one contender. It doesn't mean shit because they, he could def- he could fight Brock Lesnar at TLC next month. He could fight Lesnar at the Rumble, lose. Roman Reigns wins, and that's we're back on track, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I mean? The end yeah, game. But ha- once again, go once again, where is CM Punk? playing You know where CM Punk plays into this? By being on the Talking where? Dead and watching AJ do strip teases for him in his house. That's where CM Punk is. I, I, I'm glad you bring this up because I, I had a discussion with a guy at work and he goes, you know man, CM Punk, I saw him on the Talking Dead and that motherfucker looked happy as hell. And I said, I'd be happy too if I was writing for Marvel, seeing the Divas Champion naked. And not getting my the shit kicked out of me every week by motherfuckers who secretly hate me, I'd be happy too. Shit, I don't even <laughs> want him to come back. That dude uh, on the Walking Dead, he looked like he was the happiest human being I've ever seen. It was amazing. I'm like, holy shit, he's smiling, like he's genuinely happy. Holy shit, like you know, I don't you don't know why see Why he's that. smiling? He had to watch the episode of the fucking Walking Dead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, water, dude, but, but guess what? This is a guy. Who gets to wake up, write for Marvel, and pretty much just chill and collect money based on his name? CM Punk could appear at a fucking at a Chicago a Chicago Cubs game selling hot dogs, and he'd sell more hot dogs than any vendor in the arena because it's CM fucking Punk. Again, no WWE, no other money. He's chilling right now. CM
1: Punk Dog.
0: That's it. Get your CM Punk dogs, $18. dude. Come on, think think about it. And 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 I'll, I'll I'll put this in your court first, Quark. Would you rather a happy, healthy CM Punk that comes back on his own terms, or would you rather a disgruntled, injury prone CM Punk that comes back and phones it in and ruins any legacy that he created before he went out? Honestly,
1: I just want to. I just want to be able to buy more CM Punk merch. And see him, see him speak. That is literally it. No, I, I understand see that. Like, an unusual, like he's, he's my idol. I do give a fuck. Like, like, like Punk could like come back in 2020. As
0: long as he's back, right? I'll be fucking smiling. But that's what I mean. Would you rather um, he come back on okay, his own terms? Dude, as, as long as I just want him back one day, I don't
1: give a shit if it is the main event of WrestleMania 40, man. Maybe he is the man, and he's done it all. And you know what? God bless him.
0: You know that's that's how I see it. It's like like I was watching Raw this week, and I said, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that was that were wrong with Raw, but there were also some decent things. Like obviously elevating Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. I'll be honest, the Eric Rowan Team Cena thing was the most randomest shit ever, because it's like, all right, crazy bald guy in a sheet mask automatically just wants to work with John Cena, and then I said to myself, imagine if that entire thing is a swerve and he him and fucking Rowan and Harper just beat the shit out of Team Cena when the match starts
1: and Cesaro joins in as the final member for real this time or,
0: or or Randy Orton's music hits and he comes out and he joins Team Cena like he was supposed to you have to you have to listen
1: to Barry to see how we feel about the Randy Orton exclusively on my <laughs> Take radio
0: there you go but uh but you know I was bummed that Dolph Ziggler lost the IC title because I always feel that Dolph Ziggler he, uh, you know, it, it's a cliched phrase, but that, that motherfucker's always the bridesmaid and never the bride. <laughs> always is. It's like, oh, Dolph Ziggler, yeah, he has great matches. Yeah, he's a bumping machine. Yeah, the fans love him. But, yeah, you're too garbage to hold a, a, a major title. You're too Mr. Glass. I know
1: who I pay to see lose. Shoot. Oh, no, that's just what Dolph Ziggler says. That's his fucking motto.
0: It, 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 you know, and you I feel... I feel bad for him because it's like yo, if I were Dolph Ziggler, I'd be eternally pissed off because if management doesn't believe in you because they feel you're injury prone, then they're fucking stupid because you employed the great Kali for how many fucking years? Too many. The great Kali is is Stretch Armstrong with an accent. That's what that motherfucker is. Stretch him out, t- tie him up, twist him up, and send him out. The fact that that he got released or he's put his profile got moved into the alumni section put such a smile on my face because I got tired of that seven-foot-tall, baby Huey-looking motherfucker stinking up my television set with his shitty matches. Tired of it. It's like, oh, the Great Khali's contract expired. We're not going to renew it. I said, finally, somebody figured it out. He's like Milton in fucking office space. Yo, you still work here? Oh, shit. That's who he is.
1: <laughs> I just want my wrestling. I just want my wrestling back. It's like it's like no, back.
0: that's it, run. It, it. Yo, great. The great Kali says he would like to leave with his red stapler. Like, like I'm like <laughs> yo. Get okay, okay. Singh. Dude, Singh had the best mutton chops in the game, dude. That was the <laughs> only. That was the only thing he had going on for him. He had he had he had that wolver. He was like Indian Wolverine. Terrible. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Let's let's not get into that. I do wanna. I do wanna talk about uh the New Day stable. With um, Xavier Woods, Kofi, and Biggie Langston, I I have a couple of issues well, with this, and um. Well, go ahead.
1: Well, boss, I mean, you can talk about it because me and John Blade already discussed.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, I figured too. <laughs> I fi- I figured as much, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there, and I've said this before. Of course. Whose fault it who whose fault is it that all three guys have to be. Uh, you know, Kirk Franklin gospel singing, shucking and jivin' douchebags. Who said that was a good idea? And the reason I say this is because uh, I understand, you know, Biggie Langston does a serviceable Jesse Jackson impersonation. I get that. And I understand that Xavier Woods can can do his best earnest the Cat Miller impersonation. And I understand that Kofi Kingston is pretty much the equivalent of one of the Muppets that just stands there and takes up space. But let's be realistic. There's no necessity To do some gospel shit with three guys who, without that, would still be popular. All three of them. You mean to tell me Biggie Langston couldn't have been a member of Team Cena with Ryback? Seriously.
1: Oh, I mean, I
0: mean, I look at it this way: Biggie Langston kind of had that gimmick already like
1: months ago. The whole pastor voice.
0: Yeah, he had it, it, and it sucked then. Sucked then. Oh, look at me! Ah, I want to tell you the Holy Spirit says that my gimmick sucks. Ah, yeah, praise Jesus! My gimmick is shit. Ah, come on, stop it! You
1: know what? Let's have John Blade take over. John, how do you feel?
0: John is dead. The Holy John
1: doesn't, doesn't doesn't. I guess he's out of the call. Say
0: this. Did he? Did he drop out of the call? Let's let's take a look at that, ladies and gents. Uh, did he? John Blade. Hello. There you go. Welcome back.
1: I'm alive. Wait, <laughs> I was sitting here for a few minutes. I could I couldn't contact anyone. I was afraid.
0: Your boy, oh, your perfect. boy Biggie Langston. Your boy Biggie Langston. He's uh, Jacked Jacked Jesse Jackson. They should just change his name to Jack Jesse Jackson. Triple J. <laughs> I
1: mean, the, the new day, I don't, I I don't have a problem with the new day thing. It's just like they could have they could have gone plenty of other routes, but I, as far as this being their gimmick, I I feel it's too early to get an accurate. Like I can't, I can't really judge how the gimmick is gonna go based off the vignettes. Yeah, because but go ahead. They have they they have potential with it. Just where they go with it, I have no clue. Like I don't know if they'll be if they'll throw in another random member, who they're gonna feud with. They're gonna just randomly assault guys in the name of the
0: Lord. I have no <laughs> clue. Oh, man, Biggie Langston, I had to beat the Jesus out of you ah, because I felt that you have insulted the Holy Spirit with your atrocious wrestling. Ah, praise the Lord. Let's wrestle. One, two, three. Hand out the collection played after the match.
1: They had a collection point, just passing on the audience would be the greatest thing ever. It would be fantastic. I they really got to dump a huge bucket of holy water on Kane one day backstage <laughs> for no reason. They it need to be managed by Devon,
0: Reverend Devon. You got to bring back Reverend Devon to manage them.
1: Fucking and Deacon terrible.
0: Batista. Oh, Deacon Batista oh holding fuck. the holding the money lunchbox around his neck like a douchebag. <laughs> you know if they, you know that Vince McMahon he calls Batista, hey Dave, you know we were wondering if you wanted to come back motherfucker do you realize i am drax the motherfucking destroyer do you realize my co-star is a raccoon you want me to go there and get my ass whooped by who sincara click dave dave are you there dave Mm, just fucking dial tone because they were like oh yeah batista's gonna come back yeah okay yeah okay did you see marvel's announcements yeah batista's not coming back and if he does, it's like, yeah, I'm coming Batista. back, retiring, and beating Triple H, and that's that.
1: Batista agrees with that rock money if he comes back.
0: Well, here's the, here's the funny thing. We joked about the Hollywood Batista gimmick a while back. We had a good time with that shit. But in essence, he could do it now. Like, yo, I'm too... Uh, come on, man. I mean, he,
1: he was Hollywood Batista before he got the movie role. Yeah, I mean, but he went now, out as Hollywood Batista.
0: Yep, but now he's legitimately Hollywood Batista. It's like, remember when he left and Triple H was like, "Go ahead, Dave, go make your little movie, Dave. Good luck with that. We'll be he, back." Yeah, exactly. He should just come back and be like, "Yeah, I'm back. What's your bank? What's your bankroll look like, Triple H? Because guess what? <laughs> I got this money, and I got a raccoon, uh, a chick painted green, the dude from Parks and Rec, and I'm making dough." <laughs>
1: He needs, yeah, to, he he needs to come back say. after the authority
0: loses power. He's like, man, you, you're looking a little light there, Trips. Yep, just come back and That's be like, wow.
1: Deep,
0: deep, deep. Yep, he should just come. Yo, that would be the best. Like Triple H and, and Stephanie McMahon are backstage, and Vince McMahon's just yelling at them, and he's like, yeah, you guys are going back. And you just the camera just pants to Batista in the corner signing an autograph. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, it sucks to be you guys, doesn't it? I'd right, be fantastic. <laughs> That's like
1: a lot of. They didn't have, like, Batista at like, at, like, a Hollywood round table. Like, you gotta see, uh, you go outside and Triple H, and sitting there homeless, begging for money, and you just see a, a limo pull up, and the windows roll down. It's Batista, Larry the Cable Guy, and Grumpy Cat. All of looking at him, oh, shaking their head, and it drives off. Oh,
0: you, you know you know what it is? I look at Batista, and I say to myself, you know how pissed off guys like John Cena and Triple H have to be? Batista's fucking not only older than them, But it's like, who the fuck would have thought that a guy that gets killed in every movie because he's a henchman and does some of the worst cable movies known to mankind would be one of the most endearing characters in a Marvel movie? Like, it's like, yo, not even Triple H and Blade was that good.
1: We don't talk about that movie.
0: (laughs) Meanwhile, Jason
1: Momoa could have been Drax and he fucked
0: up. Yep. You know, but yeah, but Jason Momoa was like, yo, but I'm going to be Aquaman, kid. I get to talk to fish. (laughs) <laughs> what you know about that. Khal Drogo goes from talking to horses to talking to fish. Suck. <laughs> but um, speaking speaking <laughs> of talking <laughs> to this animals, come back. Uh... King of the
1: dragons, king
0: of the sea. Yeah, well, there you go. But speaking of, of animals, I gotta talk about the potential and possible uh, pre-show match between Adam Rose and the Bunny. <laughs> and the reason I say this is because Adam Rose and Tyson Kidd was not only a shitty match, but it was angle advancement. For a fucking stuffed animal. I, I I just
1: want to mention that that had the most angle advancement of any other match on the Survivor Series card.
0: Sad but true. Well, you want to know what's more sad? That Bray Wyatt came in with the Wyatt family was the breakout star. Yet the guy who was his lumbering douchebag number two got a belt before he did. That's just fucking heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, because Bray Wyatt fucking sucks,
0: yo. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Quark just crashed the internet quicker than Kim Kardashian's naked picture.
1: This is a big exclusive. You have to listen to the show to hear it. There you go. Now, Great. Let, me give, let me give a quick snippet. Uh-oh. He sucks dick.
0: Oh, got his Jesus. the Jesus. There you go.
1: Now, we we have, yeah. we, have a, we have a pretty good argument about this. All right. John, good, I mean, you know what? You, John, John got nothing to say. You know what I mean? John kicks the foot back of eating Cheetos because he knows I'm right. But you're, whatever. you're not right, but it's okay hey.
0: Here's the here's hey, the thing. Okay, you wanna
1: know Fuck that. No, no, because no, we didn't. No, no, stop. I'm gonna tell you why Bray Wyatt.
0: Motherfucker, whose show are you on? I, telling I, them to stop. I,
1: I'm, gonna tell you, <laughs> I'm gonna
0: tell you. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you in my house? No, we, yes. Slow that roll. Yes, sir. <laughs> Proceed.
1: Oh no, I, I, it's just one of those things where I feel as if Bray Wyatt is it, It's been like almost two years. I think maybe two years. A year? I don't know. A year and a half. So he's debuted, and I just see nothing from this guy. Meanwhile, we got Luke Harper, which I think, the belt, great. He deserves it. He's a fucking workhorse, and he's one of the best big guys, if not the best big guy in the business. Meanwhile, we got Bray Wyatt bringing down D Ambrose, brings out everyone he's shooting with.
0: Wow, that's a, that, is a, he do? What, that is that is insane.
1: What, that that's same No, no Sami Zayn's not on the car. No, 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 no. no. I wish he was, so not, <laughs> not waste
0: my fucking time. No, no, no. Here, but to not to not spoil the the buried show for you guys. What Quark is saying is that he feels that Bray Wyatt is not worth all the hype. I'm gonna sum it up that it's way. Not now. If you guys it's disagree, that's how I feel. <laughs> if you guys disagree, feel free to reach out to Quark at Quark on Twitter. <laughs> because I, I
1: because I, I,
0: I hold no responsibility for what happens. But I will say this:
1: hashtag fuck you, Quartz.
0: I will say this: I, I do feel that that Dean Ambrose is gonna come out better off from this feud with Bray Wyatt. And the reason I say that is because we're seeing some more character development for Dean Ambrose. It's not just him twitching around like a fucking lunatic. Which, again, it's great that that's part of his gimmick, but. You need to flesh out that character a little bit more. Agree? No?
1: Okay. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean <laughs> I'm kidding. Bray, I think after Br- yeah, Bray and Dean are both going to benefit from this feud, it's going to bring out a little bit out of both of them. Because having Dean Ambrose, you, Bray Wyatt can't use his usual, I'm going to get inside your head and convert you, because Dean Ambrose is already a fucking psychopath. So, I mean, he's going to have to add something to his arsenal to to progress the feud, and Dean, like you said, you're getting, you're going to see more of Dean besides him popping up with hot dog carts, surprising people.
0: Dean Ambrose needs to Imagine. just rant. Dean Ambrose needs to be like one of those homeless guys in Times Square that you walk by, that's muttering to himself, and you look at him the wrong way, and he just punches you in the face. That needs to be Dean Ambrose. He just needs to be backstage, like fucking rocking back and forth, talking to himself. Dudes walk up, yo man, you are right. Ah! He just goes crazy and beats the shit out of them, because him just coming out there you know with his with his Leotard jeans and his and his shitty tank top it's like all right you're becoming you're becoming a caricature of what they want you to be like Dean Ambrose when he was feuding in the beginning with Seth Rollins like when when he was stabbing the mannequin with a drill and you know like, like that like that's how Dean Ambrose should be you know but not not just you know him being oh look I recorded this promo five minutes ago. Ha ha ha! I got you. Like come no, on. That was genius. That's of you. Yeah. What? What weird universe am I in? Where we're
1: fucking shitting on Dean Ambrose and I'm not shitting on Dean Ambrose. Crazy.
0: I'm not shitting on him. What I what I would like is that they don't rely on the obvious. You get what I'm saying in the sense that you don't. I don't want them to just rely on the fact. Oh, you know, he's crazy. You know, like, you need to flesh that out. like. he's not. Exactly. Like, he's actually
1: not crazy, which is what I hate. He's actually a fucking tactical genius.
0: Hey, but it, it, should, it should be where he should have allegiances to nobody. He should be in a tag match, and if he tells the guy to tag him and the guy doesn't, he should beat that guy up and leave. You know what I mean? Like, there yeah, needs to be. See, no, see, I don't like that. Why is that?
1: Yeah, because uh, to me, he's not crazy. Because nothing he's done in the past several months shows him as being lunatic for, you know, the lunatic friends that they call him. No, he's actually attacked the fucking mastermind, who everything he does is pre-planned to the point where he knows what he's doing. Hiding in boxes for Hulk Hogan's birthday party. Uh, the things with Seth Rollins and Calumet's cell. Everything he did to Seth Rollins. John Cena, They well, they have a mini feud, hiding in the back of Seth Rollins' trunk. Everything he did, he knew ahead of time and he planned it. This isn't something in a fucking psychopath. This is a a fucking
0: genius. You know what? I think I think the the, the mantra for him is uh, highly functional sociopath. <laughs> I think I think that's that's sense. what you're going with, and and I can respect that. I just feel that the 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 create creative is relying on the obvious. Like if you notice, look at Ryback. Ryback's heel push was probably the worst thing ever. The only good thing that came out of that was was Ryback calling himself the big guy, and nothing and nothing <laughs> nothing puts guy. nothing puts that over the top than John Cena like, hey big man, no, it's not big man, it's the big guy, <laughs> because I it, like his belt. Yeah, like like yeah, the There's weight all the belt. fantastic. The weight belt. The weight belt really brings it all really brings it together. And again, it's the subtleties. A guy like Ryback, he doesn't need a lot. He doesn't need to do a lot of talking. He just needs to they need to allow him to be the douchebag that he was before he became a heel where it's like, yo, I'm the big guy. I don't give a shit. Like he should like if he spoke to the great Kali, he should be like, yo, I'm the big guy. Not you. Me, you know, like that kind of shit where it's like the big guy, you Kali. Exactly. Me, big guy. You dumb guy. You know, like like stuff like that just (laughs) works. But, but And that's what, you know, the opening promo with him and, and Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, it was just like, it felt like they were trying to force him to be too intelligent. And it's like like what you were saying with Dean Ambrose. It's like, yo, the guy should be the smartest guy in the room, but he should just play dumb. Like, he should just be a savage.
1: You know what, no, I I, mean, I kind of don't like that they like, regressing back to him just being, like, a lumbering idiot. Because I like it when, like, he was a goofball. Him and, him and Curtis actually were just goofs. Well, no, he seems to be be a mix of of the big guy, which is like a, a lumbering powerhouse and just a fucking prankster.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, adding adding that extra dynamic. I agree. You need that because that's how he is outside of the ring. And that's what people like. But I also feel that if you're putting him out there and you're trying to have him do this long 20 minute promo with Triple H and Stephanie, you're just like, that's not him. You get what I'm saying? Like, Ryback should be relegated to speaking for maybe three minutes. Yeah, <laughs> That's it. Same thing with Roman right, Reigns. Concur. Roman Reigns should never be allowed to speak longer than five minutes. And not only that, he should only be allowed to speak in a fucking group. Because all those news updates that they did, yeah, my shoulder has mobility, and I'm ready to come back and punch a guy in the face. Thanks, Roman. Real insightful stuff. Believe that. Believe that. It's like, dude, stop it. You're an USO and you're ghetto as shit. Stop playing. Stop playing <laughs> that role. Like, <laughs> like, like, like you're that guy, because 'cause you're not.
1: You're making me sad.
0: You know, it's like, it's like, yo, don't do that. Like, he's like, yeah, believe that. Bel, not even believe. There's no V when he said Belie that. <laughs> believe that. Believe. Believe that. It's like, yo, come on, dude. It's like, if you weren't wrestling, you'd probably be, you'd probably be sticking somebody up and purse snatching in Samoa. Stop playing.
1: See, but I feel like they have to kind of like try, even though they're horrible at it. They got to try to get them to like speak more, because guys who like nowadays, guys who can only speak for a few minutes, they don't have as long as a like a successful career stand as someone who's good on the mic, like Punk or Ambrose. What if like Ryback will be hot for maybe another year or two max, the way he's going, because like you can only you can only. Be the big guy come out and and bang out five minute matches and still be interesting for so long before it gets
0: old. Five minute matches, said, you No, it. but well, you know what? You know what's funny? I'm sorry. Three minute matches. They sent they sent uh, Roman Reigns to nah, usual. they sent Roman Reigns to acting school during his time off. So I said that's to my hilarious. I'm
1: sorry. That's, it, that's so funny. Good. It is
0: it is hilarious, but you know what? That's what they fucking need to do with all of them, and that's what they should have in NXT. They should have an improv coach. Yep, they should have an improv coach. They should have an acting and an improv coach. Because guess what? When you're out there in front of a crowd of 50,000 people, you need to do more than, say, believe that. You need to be engaging. You need to have a personality. You know why guys like The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, hell, Mick Foley, um, you know, Ric Flair, even when he's being a complete psychopath, why the crowd is in the palm of their hand? Because they have command of a room they have they have legitimate command of a room, those guys, but you could see that some of those guys just don't have belief in their in themselves to command an arena. you could see it but so they, they don't believe that they don't believe that <laughs> believe that. You like, you What's know, it? exactly. Like, like here's a good example. Heath Slater. Heath Slater came out for that match with Rusev. You knew that motherfucker was dead as soon as he came out. <laughs> but Heath Slater still had the crowd digging him. That's why people are like, yo, why does Heath Slater still have a job? And and the the answer to that is because he knows how to work the crowd.
1: And
0: it's it's I hate him or love him. Uh, Mortis writes, part of their pro wrestling training is doing skits on whose line is it anyway. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well played. But it's true it is. Like, but think about it, you look at guys like you look at guys like Roman Reigns, even Sheamus for a bunch as much of a big lumbering, pale, pasty idiot that he is, he at least knows how to keep the crowd semi entertained. I mean, don't get me wrong, come out, hit chest, kick face, and leave. But still, you know, the crowd the crowd digs him when he's on the mic. I think partially it's because it's the accent.
1: Yeah, but I feel like, for as far as longevity goes, that they need to they need to have more than just a catchphrase, like one catchphrase. I keep agree. Them going, I but, agree. I can understand why they try to have Ryback. Yeah, go out there and cut a promo. and like you're not going to get better at it unless you go out there and do it. Right. So, clearly, we didn't watch the backstage, the multiple backstage segments with him and and any any of them. Oh, his backstage and, segments and, and were and legit. But he oh, was, was also break, real natural.
0: My right back so it was fantastic. He was real natural but that, but in that, that. wasn't much. No, what I was gonna say was he was real natural in that. But I'll be honest, I think he was natural because he didn't give a fuck. He's like, yo, we're gonna go out there and do the job anyway, so I might as well just be me.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't compare like a backstage segment to an or like a, a promo in the ring with somebody. It, I think that's like two completely different things. I guess I was a backstage thing. Yeah, just go out there. And here, with, with when you're in the middle of a ring with some with the authority of John Cena, you got to try to keep the crowd going. I don't think that's something they can do. And no one can keep up with Triple H. He's just the <laughs> <a> king, literally. <laughs>
0: the king of kings. The fucking 99 baby. <laughs> the promo the, that, of promos.
1: Jack Cage. When the crowd over, him. with just 999. I don't know if you saw John the little promo on the between him and the Rock. legendary oh dude, it was fantastic. That was Beautiful. good.
0: But you know what that was? That was, and, and I've said this about Triple H a dozen times, Triple H is a is a good wrestler. He's a good talker. But the only time you see the best out of Triple H is when he's alongside somebody better than him. Because him cutting that promo with Ryback was fucking cringeworthy. That was like me trying to cut a promo well, on a toddler. It just didn't work because that's not the right guy. Like, that's the thing. Like, Triple H works with guys that are on that level. That's why guys like Ryback, yo, he should take improv. Because when Ryback did that video when he was in the hospital room, that was just off the cuff. And, yeah, he was probably high on fucking medication, but it was good, you know? It's like, how the hell are you entertaining when you're being medicated for surgery?
1: I mean, some of the best promos we've had in hospital beds. Think of uh, (laughs) Mixfolium and Vince McMahon.
0: Nothing beats Mick, Vince Vince McMahon getting hit in a bet with a bedpan by Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm sorry, Attitude <laughs> Era be damned.
1: It's literally every wrestling DVD of all time. <laughs> Seriously, that and the beer bash. This is true. They're like that's the Attitude Era. The bedpan and the beer bash. That's the Attitude Era in a nutshell.
0: Well, I wanna I wanna bring it full circle. I gotta I wanna talk about the Divas Division because that division is a complete disarray because it's almost like they forced the Brie Bella-Nikki Bella feud into into the, the big picture of the division, and then all the other divas have just fallen by the wayside. It's like, yo, Natalia, who's that? Paige? Ooh, who's that? Oh, yeah, she was in England. I that chick. Husband? <laughs> Paige is my wife, yo. Calm down. <laughs> Eva Marie and her two new best friends. Oh, yeah, she looks like she got oh Telly Savalas in a Did headlock. <laughs> Yo, Rosa Mendez, new Fandango on the pre-show. Come on, gotta be ready for that. A pre-show is gonna be the highlight of Survivor Series. Fandango's gonna come Rose out with a new super pants.
1: Paul Heyman. <laughs> Rosa Mendez trying to keep up with the God and
0: Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will say this, and um, you know, this will kind of just bring Raw full circle to close it out. I, I, it almost felt like you by the time, you know, ten fifty seven rolled around. I said, can you just hit Ryback's music, please? Like, I was begging for that <laughs> shit to be over, because I'm just like, you know he's going to join. Like I said, the only thing that surprised me was the whole Eric Rowan thing, and that's only because his videos and his interactions. I'm like, all right, he's stalking Renee Young. Great. Now what?
1: Grumpy Cat. Grumpy Cat. Good time. Grumpy Cat, John. My, you're right. My legitimate, my, le- my legitimate beef with that thing was no contract was signed. This is true. No, no contract. No contract. <laughs>
0: I will say this I, I will say this before I get into the uh, the wrestling news for the week. one of the stipulations for that match should be that somebody takes Kane to get a shape up yo that widow's peak on his head makes me so angry every week. It's like dude you're not wearing the wig you're a corporate suit so why can't you get a corporate haircut? Can somebody line that motherfucker up? It's five dollars at the barber shop. Somebody take his big lumbering ass and get him a number one. Clean that shit up. Yo, every week I just look and I'm like, yo, shape that shit up. It's terrible. And it's all uneven and shit. He's looking like Eddie Munster. Yo, it is fucking horrible, yo. It's like, yo, shape up on a pole match. See no evil, see no hairline. See no hairline. It's not even that. It's like, see no evil, see no shape up, see no barber. It's it's absurd, yo. I watch him every week and I go, Alright, you're supposed to have a corporate haircut like Triple H. You always see Triple H got a got a good lineup, somebody shapes him up before he goes out. He's on that G S P level hairline. And um Kane's hairline is just sloppy, dude. Looks like a mop, like a wet rat. I'm like, yo, somebody help this dude out. Anybody. It's like, yo, how does John Cena G. I. Joe haircut look better than Kane? Yo, it's a weeks
1: away from like a cheese
0: Dude, it's terrible. It's like, yo, get that fucking guy to a barber. Somebody. Anybody.
1: I never noticed because when Kane's on TV, I switched to Nitro.
0: <laughs> you switched to the WWE Network's pre-taped programming. <laughs> you, but, but seriously, it's like, yo, watch, watch every episode of Raw, and that Widow's Peak just sticks out. It looks like that helmet that Ming the Merciless wore in Flash Gordon. I'm like, yo, hairline, fix it. Fix that shit, please. Jesus fucking God. I, I'm serious. I mean, people are going to be like, yo, Rich, you're wilding out when you talk about Kane's hairline because it is distracting <laughs> as fuck. It's like, yo, as a man, yo, get a get a number one. Get a haircut, please. I'm begging you. That should be a stipulation. As soon as that match is over, fucking Brutus the Barber Beefcake comes out, out on a... got to pull
1: out the barber's hair.
0: <laughs> Brutus Beefcake comes out on a walker with a pair of trimmers and gives him a shape-up. Just Kane, just unconscious, (laughs) getting a shape-up. Not even shaving his head, just a shape-up. He wakes up, he sees his hairline is all lined up. He just starts screaming, runs away, never to be seen again.
1: With a towel over
0: head. That's it, motherfucker. Looks like a Republican Republican national candidate. Fucking terrible, dude. It's like, yo, help this fucking guy. Anybody, Please. Like, I understand he's supposed to be a monster, but dude, even 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 fucking Gossamer and, uh, on the Bugs Bunny cartoons had a decent shape-up. <laughs> Big fucking lumbering, unshapen asshole he is. Fucking terrible dude, Eddie Munster. Giant, lumbering, slow-ass Eddie Munster. But, um, I digress. Let me, let's get into the, uh, the other wrestling news for the week. Uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated put out their annual Top 50 Female Wrestlers list and um, I wanted to share the top ten with you guys because I I definitely want to see if people are going to agree. Uh, the number ten uh, top female wrestler was Charlotte. Agree? Disagree? Fuck that. I don't agree either. No.
1: Fine. I have no problem. The figure eight, for it, yeah. What? Uh, I see, I can't. Yeah, yeah I'm fine top with that. Top ten in the world. Yep. Fuck out of here, Charlotte. Yep. No.
0: According to a pro wrestling Illustrated. Get out. Well, you're gonna love this quark number nine that wrestler number nine was I'm Natalia
1: bad but she's not number ten
0: yeah but Natalia was number nine <laughs> what
1: the fuck? who's okay curiosity you know what number 11 is
0: at least no i i only got the 10 the top ten were, were least ah. i think because they want people to pick uh, up the before, magazine
1: before you go on how many wwe divas i mean divas on this list? uh one two, on just the top ten
0: uh in the top 10, one, two, four. Four out of ten. Interesting, keep going uh, Go num- Number 8 was women's wrestler Courtney Rush, which is surprisingly Solid um, Number 7 was Eva Ivalice, who you could See on Lucha Underground, and she Should be higher, and uh, even Though WWE cut her loose because they said She was a bit of a head case, yo, she Is no joke in the rig No joke, definitely look Her up, uh, number six was, Love. 6 was Angelina Love 6 was Angelina Love Five was uh, uh. I can't.
1: I haven't watched TNA enough to make an assessment a on that.
0: She could have probably been lower on the list, and I have my reasons for that number five. Wait. Go ahead, Quark. I say shit. No, not no. Angelina is, is Angelina Love the taller one. Yeah, she's the taller know. one with her? all the really terrible yeah, oh, tattoos. God,
1: fuck her. Oh, God. <laughs> uh.
0: Number anyway, five was
1: I fucking hate Angelina Love.
0: Number five was Lou Fisto, who I've only seen wrestle once. Uh, cheerleader Melissa was number four, and she should have been higher because she's fucking awesome. Uh, number three was Gail Kim. Number two was okay. AJ. Number one, who do you think number one is? I'll, I'll take it to Quark first. Page. Very Page, good. Sure. Paige is number one. I disagree, but whatever. How? How so? Why don't you agree with that? With that? With their? Uh, with their list? Just out of curiosity.
1: Oh, I think. I think. I
0: think AJ should be number one. Um. I, I can agree with that. What about you, Blade? You agree? it, uh, too.
1: number one. I I would put. I put maybe even not as number one, but I definitely put AJ above
0: Cage in the top three. Yeah, I definitely think I would have. I would have ranked Natalia, high, I would have ranked uh, Charlotte higher too.
1: I don't think I'd
0: be, you're actually insane. Who uh, me or Quark? I mean me or Blade? Char- you want you were gonna put Charlotte higher
1: up? I would have put Charlotte. Charlotte I would have put really Charlotte good. higher up. So Charlotte's fucking good, but
0: you're going to say she yeah, she's good, but you're going to put her even higher. I would have probably put Charlotte at least at number 6. Where would you put Natalia then? I would put Natalia at number at number 7 or at number 8.
1: So so you're telling me Charlotte is a better wrestler than, than Natalia? No, I think they're You're saying she did beat Natalia in a, in a pay-per-view. No, just but, saying.
0: well, besides that, I think that their wrestling is Natalia doesn't wrestle enough for us to appreciate her ability. You get what I'm saying? So, it's like...
1: This is the, these are Divas of the Year, right?
0: Yeah, these are the top 50... Well, th- their list is the top 50, but it's the top 50 female wrestlers for the year. So, think about it. Natalia's yeah, matches yeah. have been nothing but... Uh, you get what I'm saying? Okay, was overall. Yeah, okay. Well, then it's not, Okay,
1: with that, then, I would definitely put page number one.
0: Yeah, I mean... See, see, Paige, Paige has kind of been a focal point of the division. I, I would have probably been more upset if they would have put Absolutely. Nikki Bella in that list, you know?
1: Absolutely. I want to know
0: where Alicia Fox is. Alicia Fox, I, I'd love to see the top 50. If I could find it, I'll share yeah. it on the, uh, the fan People page. People
1: can talk that shit, but she has definitely improved this year.
0: She has improved. The only problem is that WWE's uh, usage of their divas is, is piss poor. I think the Divas get better usage on NXT than they do on I mean, every, regular television.
1: Everyone gets better usage on NXT. <laughs> in every category. This is true, even the refs. For <laughs> my, my final grant my reason that I think Natalia should be higher and Charlotte, I guess, can stay a pen is because when you compare the Charlotte Natalia match versus the, the Charlotte and Bayley match, both were pay-per-views, you could tell Natalia was definitely carrying it. Yeah. Because the, ba- the Bailey and Charlotte just didn't hold a fucking
0: candle. Well, I'll be honest. I'll say out of out of all the chicks in NXT that I feel are kind of that that they they have success to make it to the mainstream. I definitely feel that Charlotte's definitely up there, and so is um Alexa Bliss, and and definitely Bailey. Stephanie Bailey. Lynch. Bailey is the equivalent of just that happy-go-lucky. She's like Mick Foley, <laughs> you know. She comes out, kids shit. love her. They cheer You know, she does the blowy shit. If they give her the entrance with the blowy guys, you know, that shit works. But I feel that if they if a wrestler like Bayley comes up to the main roster, she'll get lost in the shuffle immediately. Because she's not I as... I think Charlotte's uh,
1: definitely the best female wrestler on NXT by far. I can, I can I agree with that. I think there's a that. better female wrestler on NXT at the moment.
0: And I also think that when Charlotte so comes up... Her, to, what was that?
1: I, I, I can see, like, for the years, I think she's at, at least the top ten because... She had the, the awesome match with um, Natalia. She's uh, ran the defense Division as a champion. She fights at least every other weekend. Yep, every every other week. I agree. So, I mean, she, as far as like, as a year, she's risen to the top quickly throughout the year. To put on a top ten list, absolutely. That's why I. I, right. I that's my defense for her being it's in. Like they're for her being Ric Flair's daughter. No, 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 can't be, can't be.
0: Well, you know what the thing is? Her being Ric Flair's daughter. The funny thing is that even if she came up to the main roster without her dad, she'd be over based on that. Because everybody's like, oh, her yep. dad's her dad's going to manage her. As soon as she comes out and you hear that remix of, of Ric Flair's music that she uses, people are going to get into that immediately. Like, she's over without even trying. Strictly on name. Well, because we're dead. Yep, I Rick agree.
1: Well, Ric Flair just looks at her and says, I created you. Yeah. Literally.
0: Pretty much, but the you know what the funny thing is also and not funny, but it's like i i if I were Rick Flair, it's just terrible for him because it's like it's david again. David flair was is a waste of talent, you know Reed Flair died before he had the opportunity to make an impact it's like all his energy is poured into his daughter, so she must she has big fucking shoes to fill you know
1: all all his energy and all his facial features were poured into his daughter <laughs> yes oh, God this is so true.
0: Brutal. This is true, man. Sometimes I look at her and I'm like, "Nate, like, yo, why, why, why do you?" It's like, yo, why do you and Charles Robinson look like brother and sister? I
1: think Rick, yeah. in his prime, would make a better chick than Charlotte
0: does now. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that alone. Um, I got, I got to give an update for your boy, B Money, Brad Maddox, whose uh, profile was moved He's to the alumni. The Everybody, everybody was panicking because they're like, oh, my God, they fired Brad Maddox. And people are like, yo, rest easy. It's like they did fire him as a GM, so he does have to be moved to alumni. But it's like, where is Brad Maddox? <laughs> in the cave. In the cave? So he got
1: out. He actually picked me on a house show, John, and lost. In a cave? I, <laughs> I thought they were in a cave. cave. I have a serious question. <laughs> What the fuck was ever the actual purpose of Brad Maddox? Like, what was the the,
0: what was his point? He he was Triple H's pet project. I heard. I heard he was Triple H's boy. Oh,
1: was he actually? What beef mode? Why? <laughs>
0: What's the well, you know the what, lack of beef mode on the roster. Well, you know what it is. I look at Brad Maddox and I see a snarky, douchey heel that, with the right, with the right gimmick, he he probably would be more over than um than stupid-ass Bo Dallas, with the right gimmick.
1: Brad Maddox.
0: Yo I don't boy. get it. I never B-Money. got Brad
1: Maddox. I'll be honest. Like, I don't get B-Money, man. Like, I, I love Brad Maddox so much. But I never like. Was he ever even in NXT? Did he ever That's actually a, compete? What the fuck did he do? He was, he a, ref. He was a ref. I felt like he was supposed to be like the male version of Vicky, but he just couldn't get the heat that Vicky could. Never understood. People just hated him not for being a heel just because he sucked. I always feel yeah, that Brad, Brad... Maddox was a GM for like ten months.
0: I always feel that fuck? Brad Maddox got locked in a locker room by JBL like they'd be backstage and he'd just get shoved into a locker by JBL every week. <laughs> like I just feel that the <laughs> undertaker <laughs> took his lunch money like that's what I see when I look at him because it's like he's not a big dude, but he's not a small dude, but uh, but I just see him just being picked on by everybody like the Miz was
1: Render shit in his bag.
0: Probably, like the Miz, he said in interviews, the Miz used to get thrown out of the locker room, and he'd have to get dressed in the hallway. Like that's how that's how oh, much he got shit on. And like now he has a stunt double. He does have a, a- stunt double. That. that is true. Anyway, I gotta <laughs> I gotta talk about um, something Quark mentioned, and that's TNA's brand new home on Destination America.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh I don't even. Oh, they have it's that fucking awesome. channel. Perfect time. It's one o'clock and time to leave. I'm gonna serve that segment for next week on episode three <laughs> of the very show. It's my best time. Good night,
0: y'all. Alright, there you go, Captain. Take it easy, man. So, um, yeah, TNA heads to Destination America, which is complete rubbish. I mean, I'm glad they got a deal, but it's like, yo, that is that's that's the equivalent of being banished to the Phantom Zone at this point. So, you know, we'll see what happens. They think you they debut there in January, so we'll see what the deal is with that.
1: They'd have better luck on a web series than being on that channel.
0: Well, you know what's funny? I don't understand. I'm, i I'd be curious to see if like Netflix would pick up a wrestling company because I'd watch like that. Like Lucha
1: Underground.
0: Yeah, like like Lucha Underground yeah, on LA. Yeah, I've been meaning
1: to watch. Yeah, because I've been meaning to watch. I just don't get the channel they play it on.
0: Yeah, you got to find it. You got to find it on other sites and stuff. But Lucha Underground mm-hmm. is surprisingly good. And don't get me wrong, it's filmed similar to a TV show, but the wrestling is on point. You know, like, they got this Spanish soap opera actor as the heel G- as the heel owner, and he's pretty solid. It's like, yo, they got, like, a trained actor to play him, Dario Queto. and if you see him, you're like, wow, you're a complete douchebag, but he's straight from a Channel 47 novella, dude. It's terrible. <laughs> but just, terrible, terrible in like, a good way. Plus, allegedly, they're going to be getting Alberto Del Rio in 2015. Oh, so, TNA, uh, allegedly TNA and or Lucha was, Underground or both. Who knows? I mean,
1: Lucha Underground just makes the most sense. I feel like with um, I feel I kind of almost feel bad for TNA getting stuck with that shit deal because they was actually starting to look good. Yep, it was um, it was um, TNA yeah, was bearable to watch, and it was like, oh, it's starting to get good, and now yeah, it's too it's too little too late night now they got the boo, and if, I I I I don't think. The, the new deal is gonna pan out too well for them. Just because I, I if I want to watch TNA, I probably can I'd have to like dig through the entire entire channel guide to get a glimpse of TNA.
0: Well, the thing that bothers me is TNA has so much great talent. They're gonna probably pay Del Rio a ton of money, and the worst part is it's exactly that. It's like you're trying to put a bullet. You're trying to put a bandaid over a bullet hole. It's like Del Rio is a is a solid performer, dude. I saw him wrestle on um. On Spanish television, and I was like, "Yo, why didn't they let you rock like this in WWE?" Holy shit! Like he was, he was pretty solid. He was even, may I say, entertaining. <laughs>
1: don't get ahead of yourself now.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm like, wow, well, he, was, he
1: was all right. See, the thing is, I, they're, they're going to pour a bunch of money into Del Rio. I don't think Del Rio is going to be able to save the show. Like I don't, I, I can't, based off his run in WWE, I can't see Del Rio as the main guy for a show.
0: No, not for TNA. I think TNA—the only way TNA can start getting some headway is if they get up their their ratings and they focus on trying to move from Destination America within a year or two to like a more mainstream company like TNT or TBS or you know Spike. Well, not, obviously not not Spike TV, but you know Fox Sports One or FX. MTV. even yeah, FX would I, be yeah, good. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd take that. FX. FX would be good, but Destination America, fucking Destination No Watchville—that's what that shit is. Hate to Destination
1: say. It. Toilet.
0: <laughs> Destination Toilet. Destination Flusheroo. I did. I did want to uh, like TNA. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was. Gonna, I was going to say that when you're looking at all these promotions, you you realize, and I tell people all the time, it's like you know, there's more. There's more to wrestling than WWE. You know, you got Lucha Underground, TNA pro wrestling gorilla ring of honor there's you know chikara there's so many great promotions out there and you know i just want people to think a little bit outside of the box with that stuff and it's like yeah tna is not great but they do have they, they do have some some shining stars there i only hope that they can at least invest that energy into guys that they got on their roster you know bringing del rio over and not pushing a guy like samoa joe is 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 a step in the wrong direction at that point,
1: I remember um, I was watching TNA for like a month straight when they were having that um, the triple tag team like a uh, series with um, the Wolves, the Dudleys, and the Hardys. And I remember watching it. And I, I was watching it for the series, but I remember what, thinking e- uh, EC3 was like one of my favorite parts of the show because I thought he was just so entertaining. But I feel like EC3 is one of those guys that should be pushed.
0: Yeah, well, you know what's funny? Like
1: he he can be the star of that company.
0: He can, and now he's sidelined with an injury. He tore his bicep. God damn it! Exactly. So now he's on the shelf. It's, it's 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 just a weird time for TNA, and it's truly unfortunate. Now, you know WWE. On the flip side, like I've said before, they got countless hours of television and a, and a roster and a deep roster, but they're just afraid to take any risks. I think I think Triple H takes more risks with NXT because he knows that NXT is a proving ground. But it's like, take a little bit more of a risk on Raw, because that's your flagship show.
1: And, you know, make a... I, I feel like, try not to make, like, the like SmackDown... I feel like SmackDown is just, like, um, Raw rerun. Yep. I, I, like, I feel the, the whole universe besides NXT revolves around Raw, and I feel like that's one of the biggest flaws in the company. So yep. Like you said, they got the deep roster, but... You can't have them wrestle because an hour of like forty forty thirty five thirty minutes to an hour of SmackDown is replays of Raw. Yep, hundred percent. And it's, it's like, it's like you you have all this talent and you're not doing anything. Like the new like the new day, they could they could be if done right, they could have they could be like the main appeal for SmackDown. Like if you leave them just on SmackDown, have them run SmackDown, they can have their chance to get over and get big.
0: Yep. Plus SmackDown is taped. Which allows them, which allows them a little bit of leeway to edit a lot of stuff. I mean, it's going to be really interesting when they move SmackDown to Thursdays, because then you have Raw Monday, um, SmackDown is going to be Thursday, NXT is going to be Wednesday, and then NXT basically is going to be competing against Impact head to head on Wednesday.
1: Oh, I think NXT wins that fight all the time, but um, then again, you also have to buy the network and with the whole. Destination America. I probably wouldn't even be able to watch TNF if I wanted
0: to. There you go. It's 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 definitely a crazy thing to, to, you know, I, I'd like to see in 2015 just NXT maybe get an extra hour. And not only that, but I think that, that Adrian Neville has outgrown NXT. I think Adrian Neville's ready for the call-up.
1: I'm going to make, Mom, I'll tell me and Quirk were discussing on the, on the Bay Show for a pay-per-view, have it NXT... Versus WWE pay per view, like you know, you have Vince McMahon going against the Authority in Triple H. So I have Triple H take, like, okay, NXT's my product. I'll put it up against your roster and make a pay per view out of it. You know what? So don't, don't have to call us to just. That's has, a good idea. Like like NXT superstars versus WWE superstars. Like I have the idea, I have every champion from each show. Or get you like uh, the NXT champion versus the heavyweight champion. If it's not Brock Lesnar, because I don't right. want anyone from NXT going against Lesnar. No, but like you know, have the tag team champions, the diva champion, and you can make a pretty stacked card out of it.
0: I think that that's a tremendous idea. I've you know, it, I've actually felt that they might have pulled the trigger on that for Survivor Series, but clearly they didn't. But that would have been an awesome Survivor Series match: Team NXT versus Absolutely. Team WWE. You know, Captain Captain William Regal, and you know, three of his you know th- four NXT superstars. That would have that he would have brought up with him, you know, Adrian Neville, Sami Zayn, and Hideo Itami, and um, Finn Balor, against you know five yeah, of WWE's
1: best. you can have those guys put them against put them against like on the sort of team of like you know Cesaro, Ziggler, um, you know, put a Miz in there. Like yep. they, if they had they, it would have been a decent idea.
0: I agree. That like, would have no, been a we great. I John Cena in the Authority. That would have been a great idea. That goes with what I was saying about you know, bringing back the TV title and allowing that title to be defended on every program. And then if a guy uh, def- defends the belt on NXT and gets beaten by an NXT superstar, the NXT superstar would come up to the main roster to defend the TV title
1: that'd be fantastic it also gives it also give people a reason to get the network just to get a title defended
0: exactly because you defend it on raw you'd you you'd tell the champion you're gonna defend the belt you're gonna have your choice of show and it's like raw so, you know each week you're gonna pick which show you're gonna defend it on then when he goes to nxt you you know he'd defend it against whoever and it's a good way to just try to get guys over because I'll be honest the the ic and intercontinental championships at this point they're just fucking props Yeah, because
1: I was like, like you have the two champions in the main event match. Yep. in the Survivor Series, like up until Monday, I was thinking it's like, all right, you have the U.S. champion, the Intercontinental champion, one in the main event, and then you don't have the WWE champion in at all. What's the rest of the card going to be? Exactly. And until even on, even after Monday, I'm not completely sure what the card is. Well, it's like they just threw out random matches.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought that the up. Of it. The card right now, as of as of you know, November twentieth. Is Nikki Bella versus AJ Lee for the Divas Championship, the Usos, Damian Mizdow, and the Miz and the Matadors and Goldust and Stardust in a in a in a, a t-
1: field show.
0: Yep. For the tag team titles. Then they're gonna do a, a Survivor Series style elimination match with Paige, Cameron, Summer Ray, and Layla against Emma, Alicia Fox, Natalia and Naomi. Huh. Yeah, exactly. And then Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose <laughs> And then Team Cena versus Team Authority—that, my friend, is your entire now, Survivor Series card.
1: Now, Cork Mentor, i don't know if there's any truth to this is true, to if you're me they announced a stipulation that if Team Cena loses, they're all fired—that is correct. I feel like you just kind of like killed the entire main event. Like any, yep. any, and any idea of there being a surprise like victory from Team Authority just went out the window.
0: Exactly. Not not only that, but if you read the SmackDown spoilers that's also going to be solidified there as well. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but you know, once you see the ending of SmackDown, you're going to be like, why, why am I even going to watch Survivor Series on Sunday? At this point,
1: like just the fact that it's free is like, no, it's like, I'm not spending money, but you're wasting my
0: time. There you go. But, um, yep, that's going to, that's going to wrap it. That's actually going to, um, bring our wrestling segment to a close. Quark and Blade will be bringing you Buried, which will be uploaded, uh, sometime tomorrow. And in addition to that, of course, my take radio will be live at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific to break down the latest and greatest gaming and entertainment news as well. As always, you can follow Quark on Twitter at Quark MTR and John Blade at John U. Butler. Anything else you wanted to add?
1: I'm good. It was great being on the show. i will try to make this a more regular answer. Quark will attest to it. Um, yeah, we, did, we enjoyed being on the show. And thanks for having us.
0: There you go. All right, bro. Catch you around.
1: Take it easy. See ya.
0: Well, there you have it, ladies and gents. Uh, Very own Quark and Blade joined us to bring you a brand new installment of My Take Radio. So with that, let us wrap it up. You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 255 presented by Rageworks. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me mtrhost at mytakeradio.com You can also find us on Twitter at radio or at official RageWorks, which is, uh, I, correction, I, I, I should just get the official RageWorks as our Twitter handle at this point. But for the time being, it's uh, Rage underscore works. But I think I'm going to change it to official RageWorks at this point. But in any event, you can find both of both those sites on Twitter. Of course, become a fan on Facebook. Add us to your circles on Google+. You can also follow our boards on Pinterest as well. Last but not least, we're always looking for brand new talent for RageWorks. If you're interested in writing for us, drop me a line, rich at RageWorks.net. On behalf of myself, Quark, Blade, Andrea, Josh, The Writest, Ben, Slick, and the rest of the MTR family, I will catch you guys later. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we appreciate your support. Peace.
1: That's all, folks.